Welcome to Superhouse Podcast 31. <laughs> if you're listening to this now, then you're on the path of self-discovery. And if you're not listening to it, then you're a goddamn jackass. Like right, yes, <laughs> yes. Yes. Welcome. It's episode thirty-one, y'all. Uh, we got. Uh, this is Andrew from Los Angeles. Take it away, Stefan. Ah, this is Stefan from Denver, Colorado. And Jordan from Atlanta. All right. So today we're going to move right into kind of the sequel to our top five most influential albums episode. Uh, and this is our top five most influential movies. And I want to be clear here. I feel like there's a difference between influential to your life and your top favorite. Okay. All there's right. a slight okay. difference. Maybe, they, maybe they're exactly the same, but maybe not. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe there's a movie that was influential to you, but you don't like it as much anymore. Okay. Anyway, uh, you guys probably have your list already made. So, uh, Stefan, take it away. Um, 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 all right, yeah, let's just do this. I think, um, so I'm going to start with Ghost Dog by Jim Jarmusch. Oh, shit. It's probably my fifth most influential movie. Um, this was as a, at a time at the end of high school when I started to really develop an interest in filmmaking, and, and I was just about to go to film school. Um, and Ghost Dog is just one of those movies, if you haven't seen it, it's about a, it's about a, um, it's about a, like, how would you say, like a loner vagabond who follows the code of the samurai played by Forrest Whitaker, who acts as a retainer in the old samurai code to a mafia, um, to a mafioso guy who's part of a bigger family. So he does hits basically for this one mafioso. And it's just full of style. The Riz, one of the first movies, probably the first movie, Riza scored, Riza from the Wu-Tang. Um, and it's just got this like intense like hip-hop flavor. If you've ever seen Jim Jarmusch's movies, um, speaking to the audience mainly, uh, you know, he, he dabbles in all these different kind of Americana kind of cultures. And by the time he got to Ghost Dog, he was getting into a lot of that East Coast hip hop, which I'm sure he was familiar with being a native New Yorker and such a big voice for New York film. Um, so Ghost Dog, if you haven't seen that shit, watch that shit. <laughs> um, my, ne my next movie will probably be, this is my film school kid answer, but Taxi Driver. Okay. Um, Taxi Fuck Driver is just, it's just, it's just, it's just the best. It's the movie that, it's one of the movies along with Ghost Dog that showed me that if I just fucking got up off my ass for a few hours a day, I could make a fucking badass movie. You know, it's, it's Taxi Driver so subtle, like low budget. You, they, you know, you get things where you can. There's a lot of improvisation. There's a lot of discovery being made on the set of that film and just like it must have been a wild time you know when you see martin scorsese and his little cameo when it's just like that sweeping pan and you oh, see yeah. him for just a second sitting watching travis bickle walk away i guess he has two cameos in the movie now that i'm thinking about it um he does yeah he's he also is in the cab at one point and they're waiting oh out. that's the one i remember that's yeah. the one i remember yeah so there's yeah there's the one where he's in the cab and then if you watch it there's a part when the music is playing and oh, it's the first time Travis Bickle sees, um, I forget what her name is, but uh, I forget the, her, the actress's name too, Sybil Shepard. 
Sybil Shepherd. Oh. It's the first time he sees Sybil Shepherd. She's fine as hell in that movie too. <laughs> oh my god! But it's the first time he sees her, and then she walks. She walks past Martin Scorsese, and he's sitting on this like concrete step thing or something like that. But anyway, Taxi Driver is probably my next one. In. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just want to say a few things about yeah. Taxi Driver because that might have. I never. I did not have a list before. I'm making it now, but uh-huh. I just realized that should be on my list too. But I'm glad you said it because <laughs> For sure. there, I mean there are tons of things about the movie that uh, the screenwriter uh, Paul Schrader, you know, mm-hmm. uh, he's got he he went on to direct a few things too, but uh, yeah, he wrote this after I think it was from his experiences riding the subway and him I guess being angry or just like having his angst. Yeah, that, I'm sure. You know, well, yeah, he, it seems it seems yeah, like it, from. From there's commentaries on that, and then um, I forget. You know, I read a book about Taxi Driver one time, and, and Paul Schrader. You know, they had a lot about him, and he was just like at that time, and like um, you know, in the '70s in New York, there's just so much going on. It's so easy to get yourself lost out there, you know. And the things that reflect in this character of Travis Bickle were very much. Uh, I think Paul Trader in, in the commentary, Paul Schrader talks about how a lot of that is just him. It's what he was feeling and experiencing, which makes the movie yeah. that much more, you know, like, because if you watch it as just a movie, you see certain scenes as being just inventive, like, oh, my God, who thinks up this shit? But there's a lot of it that I think he saw with his own eyes. And, and, and I think it shines true. And just like, I think any movie that gets made is just like a flashbang in the pan, man. You just got to put your ingredients in and, you know, it's like quantum cooking or something. <laughs> it's almost kind of a miracle that any any movie gets made. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, yeah, that one there's a lot of you know that one in Mean Streets. Mean Streets. Yeah, Mean Streets. I don't... Scorsese is yeah. just just you know all the way Scorsese. Like uh, up until I haven't seen anything super recent of his, but up until about like Aviator, even he still had just such a great like pivotal voice you know he still does i'm yeah. sure but you know i haven't seen any yeah, of the new yeah. stuff yeah, you never saw a wolf on wall street oh wait what wall am i talking about great yeah i met i, I method like... watched wolf on wall street that shit was great dude uh, i split an eight ball of cocaine with a friend and we we drank whiskey the whole night god damn man it was nuts like we were True fucking... story? True story? <laughs> you, dude, you method watched I mean, it that's hilarious oh <laughs> i know it now i see what you're saying yeah even uh <laughs> Seeing that in the theater, that's like a three-hour-long movie, and the whole time we're just like pinned to the edge of our seats. Like yeah. at least I was. And and the best and worst thing about that movie is that it's a true story. Yeah. Because right, right, right. You're watching all these people get fucked over royally, and it's hilarious for some reason. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's just like who who knew who knew like uh, Leo DiCaprio had the comedic chops and like a physical comedy too. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. I, I have still yet to uh, blow cocaine into a girl's asshole. Um, but, <laughs> but, but also a very influential film. <laughs> that yeah, movie that was, is, is like, good. people know about it, but I still think it's kind of like an underdog, man. Like no, oh, not many yeah, people talk yeah. about it, but it's fucking great. Yeah. yeah. People have described it as like good fellas, but like if they were doing worse things than that or like with, without the violence really but you know but uh just like not giving a shit about anything for getting money um and i just want to briefly talk about what i'm really uh excited for in 
Scorsese's future. He and Leo DiCaprio have been trying to get this movie made for uh, years now, I think. You know the book, The Devil in the White City? Oh, yeah. It's about... About H.H. H. Holmes? Uh, yeah, H.H. H. Holmes and um, DiCaprio is going to play Holmes. He wants to so bad. Yeah. And, uh, and he's just going to be... Like, he just wants to have that moment where he's twirling his curly mustache and dropping somebody into a vat yes. of acid. Like, fucking... <laughs> yeah, dude! That's where that creepy stereotype like... came from, I think. Yeah, <laughs> like that's H.H. H. Holmes that all the way. Oh my God! Yeah, and that that story, like speaking, <laughs> like if, if there was an if there was a story about like a true story about Americans doing really fucked up shit to people that tops Wolf of Wall Street. It's called Fox it. News, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is hell yeah, brother. Uh, may, as well be, uh, may as well be a true story. Truth right, is stranger so yeah, than fiction, right? Taxi um, oh, to driver like there were like postcard sized uh, screenshots of the movie um, on my cubicle at work, and every day I was like, I wonder if people are. Looking one at day this. I'm gonna shoot this place up. <laughs> yeah, so I, took, I, I took I took him down. I realized I was reading American Psycho. So, uh, <laughs> Somebody yeah, walks and, by you and like, hey, should I be worrying about you, Jordan? Yeah, so I just <laughs> I, I, I took that shit down. Just read. American Psycho on my Kindle. And, uh, I'm just exercising so, my right to express myself. Well, I just, <laughs> I just work is boring as shit. So uh, next that. movie, I'm, sorry. Anyway, so, yeah, so yeah, to, to 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 round out my list, Scorsese films all the way. Um, I'm gonna say Dead Man, another Jim Jarmusch film. Mm. Oh shit! Okay. And again, these are these are most influential. You know, um, Dead Man is, yeah. you know, it's just like that experimental western vibe to it, and it's. It's, it's that so movie weird. that, like, if you say if you say Johnny Depp around the time that that movie came out, you know, you just get these like little poppy, like Benny and June, and you know, like these little romantic things that he was in Johnny Dangerously. Oh no, what's the movie called? Uh, he's the oh. like, Crybaby. Was it called something? We don't uh, know the name. Crybaby. I think it's called Crybaby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John Waters, Crybaby. Um, yeah, yeah. So, but Johnny Depp, like, at this point, I don't know. This it was just like a different. Thing for him to do and as with any Jim Jarmusch movie it's uh you know he just does whatever he wants he's got that kind of Kevin Smith kind of vibe the Tarantino auteur like I'm just gonna make the movies I'm gonna make um I'll tell you sorry I just like no, I have no. a lot of, I have a lot of things to say about these movies too because I uh these are also very influential to me um now you guys you know went to school for film and stuff and I didn't but you know they they mean a lot to me for uh, Dead Man specifically. Now, what, when did that come out? Like 2001, 2002? Dead Man, uh, it was earlier than that actually. I think it was like I want to say like 99 or no, Ghost Dog came out. That was, was like 98, 97. So I watched uh, I watched a bunch of movie like so I dislocated my shoulder in like uh, 2012. I want to say. Oh shit! And like Riggs, I, Martin Riggs. Yeah. Yeah, Riggs. and I could. Yeah, and uh, so they had me on. For for one thing, they had me on Ambien because they're like the pain is gonna be <laughs> so bad. Put you to but sleep. The pain was. It didn't put me to sleep, and the pain wasn't bad. But they had me on pain. So the so there's like a trifecta of movies that I thought were amazing to watch. They're still good on their own merit, but um, one was Bronson, one was yeah. Dead Man, and the other one was one. 127 hours which involves Dead a painful man? arm oh for sure 
Dead, Sorry, Dead, Dead, Man, Man, was, Dead Man was made in 1995. What? Damn. Really? That's fucked up. That's right when. That's right when Johnny Depp was really starting to like, you know, like yeah, I always more of, Dead... a, more, more of a household name. You know what I mean? I always view Dead Man well, as kind what, of like a deep cut. You know, it's, it's such, a, so, yeah, made pretty it's, long ago. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, such an it, existential cowboy right. movie. You know, it's like not like any other western. It doesn't try to be like any other western out there. But, and it, and it, it has it's comedic like it's just a beautiful yeah. movie it's like it's got the sensibilities that a lot of coen brothers movies have with like that kind of americana totally. antiquity but you know it's its own thing that's what i love about jim jarmish totally and and it's, it's like the coen brothers but a little bit slowed down like our, like yeah. coen brothers on quaaludes or something yeah totally or yeah definitely it, on drugs definitely on yeah. some fucking drugs uh it, it kind of brings me to well but um you know, like uh, Alejandro uh, Jodorowsky type movie. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. El, El Topo. I think you're talking about. Yeah, El Topo. I've never seen El Topo, but we'll get to it's, one of his other movies. It's pretty nuts. It's pretty nuts. I'm gonna yeah. let me just round out the list here. Say, Dead Man. Okay, okay, the next the next movie is The Matrix, 1999, The Matrix. Yes. We're at number we're number three right now. We're at number four. Four. I two. Think. I'm at number two. Number two, second to last. Okay. Ghost Dog, sure. Taxi Sorry. Driver, Dead Man. The Matrix. Uh, the Matrix came out kind of the same time as Ghost Dog, so had a lot of like interesting, confusing, creative thoughts at the time. But um, The Matrix was the first time I seriously considered like attempting to make film or get involved with film or go to film school or anything like that. Like that was the moment I was like, I knew I wanted to go down that road, um, and it was just solely for the fact that. You know, because it was so mind blowing, I was just like, if you can think whatever you can fucking think up, you can put on screen, you can make, you know what I mean? Like, the sky's the limit now. Like, there are no limits. And I think, you know, there is no spoon. Just fucking do it. Um, so, The Matrix, aside from being the like smash hit pop culture phenomenon that it is, like, for me, it was influential in the fact that it just like, that was like the pivot point where I was just like, fuck, like, I, I want to tell stories, I want to be a creative you know, force the way that, that these guys were and I mean girls. Or uh, now girls. Yeah. Sorry. Which is which is which is amazing. You know, it speaks to everything about that film and the idea you know, there is no spoon for them, you know, there is no spoon in terms of their sexuality, you know, it's just like whatever you can dream up, you can make reality oh, yeah. now. You know, and it's like that it's, movie it's, yeah. yeah. It 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 brought in like Eastern thought crazy mm -hmm. sci-fi concepts and mm -hmm. western philosophy as well and you know story. of course kung, kung fu is like everything and gunfights not just martial arts but also guns and helicopters and you know everything it was yeah amazing definitely the matrix uh that's that's my second most influential and i think the first you probably already probably know and since I'm going first, I'm I actually have no idea. It. I'm going to drop my first number one most influential film um, is actually three films. Is I'm just going to lump it as three films, and I think you'll understand why is Star Wars. Oh yeah, that should have known that. <laughs> God damn it, it is Star Wars. I have I have moments at work where I like I fuck up an order or something, or like you know I, I'm just like distracted, and people are like, "What are you doing? Like, what's on your mind?" I'm like, "I'm sorry, I was thinking about." Star Wars, <laughs> <laughs> but I think because like it, it, it just you know all the movies I saw when I was a kid. I mean, there's tons of movies that really like were fun and great and whatever. But Star Wars was one of those ones, similar to The Matrix, where you see you see dreams become a reality. 
you know, no matter how like, you know, a new hope and matter how haphazardly they're kind of assembled or empire strike back, how deep they go with just these like, you know, basically like flash Gordon style themes and stuff. Um, but you know, just like, I think as in terms of being influential, it just completely captured my imagination. You know, it's like that, that was the thing that, that showed me how to dream. And then the matrix is the thing that showed me that I can make those dreams a reality, you know? So I think how how old when you first watched your first Star Wars? So when I probably when I first watched it, I probably watched a panned and scanned edited version when I was maybe seven or eight around there. Right. Um, but the time when it really became solidified was when they released the tri trilogy on VHS remastered. Right. Um, and I remember faking sick that the day my mom bought them at the store and I had to go, you know, she bought them like, surprise, we're going to watch these this weekend. And I just see them sitting there on the shelf in plastic. And then, <laughs> and then the next day I, I faked sick. I was like, I can't, I can't go to school. There's no, there's no way I'm going. And, and she was like, all right, fine. Off to work. The house empty to myself. I watched all three films really getting, really like soaking in every nuance of the film then or the films. I watched all three of them that sick day. That was probably the greatest day of my life. <laughs> got wow. nobody telling me what to do. I don't got to be in school. And it's just like mind full of Star Wars, you know, so. Sick days are the best. Uh, that's my list. Jordan, did you create your list? Yeah, so I'm going to play it fast and loose with this, but because I got like 11 movies. But um, let's see. Let's start with... Uh, so we're going down uh, to the number one. I'll start with a little movie called The Way of the Gun. Again, I didn't know you liked not... this one that much. Really? Yeah, See, I, mean, I... I knew you liked it, but I didn't know it was going to be your top. Well, so it <clears> does... <throat> I love Christopher McQuarrie. Now he's done... What has he done? Like the most recent uh, um, Mission Impossibles, right? Uh, yeah. Christopher McQuarrie... I should probably lump this in with uh, Usual Suspects, but Christopher McQuarrie's first, uh, his directorial debut was The Way of the Gun with Benicio Del Toro and Ryan uh, Philippi, who, you know, I can't even name other, another movie with him in it besides, like, but, um, see, this, I, influential means a different thing to me because I didn't go to school for this stuff, but it, it was just, like, the first time I'd seen like a contemporary movie, like there was gunplay and I didn't quite understand it. It's because it's like kind of really realistic gunplay. And it was fascinating to watch nonetheless. Um, Tay Diggs is in it. He's great. Uh, oh, shit. James Caan is in it. He's great. So it's, it's, it's like a Western in, it came out like 2001. So, you know, it was of that time. It's not a period piece or anything. Juliet Lewis is even good in it. Uh, that's mean, but um, you know, I, I think anytime I see Ju Juliet Lewis in a movie, I'm like, they should just put Laura Dern there. But that's that's just me. I, I would take Laura Dern any day. I yeah. love Laura Dern. But I mean, Ju uh, Juliet Lewis is great um, in this too. It's just a, it's a really hard to explain movie. Um, mm -hmm. Christopher McQuarrie, I kind of identify with him a little bit. So his brother, I, th I think is his brother, was in the Navy SEALs, and he uh, did all the, you know, uh, 
what is it called? What does Matt do, Andrew? Matt, uh, what does Clanton do? He teaches stuntmen how to do realistic police work and stuff like right. that. Right. So, so Christopher McQuarrie's brother did all that in this movie and Usual cool. Suspects. But um, it's just very interesting to watch, even if you don't know what's going on. It's just like, and then uh, like there's a scene with uh, James Caan and Benicio del Toro, one of my favorite actors where like they're about to you know they're about to kill each other and then they go to a bar and have a conversation they're pretty much like you know i might kill you what you know by the time this is all over i might kill you uh but you know they're just having they're like what you know let's just punch out for a second their profession yeah but also just like shooting the shit like normal people like hey we're off the clock for a second let's just and then they go back to being badasses who may kill each other. It's just amazing. Um, there's a yeah. lot of great dialogue. Chris McQuarrie is uh, great at that. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's a uh, way of the gun. It's great. It's a good throwback to like way, uh, the Wild Bunch. And that's stuff a good defining. Yeah, sorry. That's a good defining role for uh, Ryan Phillippe too, man. I love him in that movie. I wish yeah. he was in more shit too. He's just you don't see him much. I don't know what happened to him because. Uh, and I remember when that came out, um, people were like, "What accent is Ryan Phillippe doing?" Mm-hmm. That's that's his own accent. Like you, you see him talking about like being interviewed. That's just how he sounds. He's a oh, draconian man. reptilian shapeshifted into human form for purposes of acting. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I read anyway. You heard it here first. <laughs> David David Ike broke that shit years yeah. ago. Ryan Phillippe is an alien. Just great, just great casting because at the time like what do people know him for not this kind of shit i mean benicio del toro can do anything and i'd love it but i mean this movie is just in a class of its own anyway all right i'm gonna move on to being john malkovich nice um it's one of the few in, in my opinion one of the few movies that's like extremely meta but works because uh charlie kaufman is a great Screenwriter, so, uh, okay, I, you know what, I'm going to lump adaptation into this too. Yeah. There's a lot of these that have to do with screenwriting, like, um, pretty blatantly, and that kind of is influential to me, because um, nothing I've ever written has been produced, but, but you, write. you know, there's a lot of things, yeah, I write, oh, yeah. and uh, a lot of these are probably going to relate back to that. Being John Malkovich, though, like... I remember when that came out, I was like, how do they even name a movie that? Like, I knew, I knew John Malkovich is an actor. I'm like, oh, he's in it. Oh, he's playing himself. Oh, he's, you know, it's just like the, the snake eating its tail thing from adaptation. It's just like Charlie Kaufman is the one guy who could probably do, you know, anything meta and it would be brilliant. Any, anybody else who does it, it, it kind of just holds in on itself and it's, you know, pretentious or, or just a crutch. Um, but yeah, being John Malkovich is great. John Cusack is great. Catherine Keener is always welcome uh, on my TV. And there, it's just a, it's another existential type thing. Like, you know, what if I could be someone else? Even if it's John Malkovich, like not even the most famous actor or person, just, uh, you know, it's just a really trippy movie. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't really say anything about it that people haven't. Spike Jones said. is really locked um, in his voice as well. You know, with his films, like you can't, you can't really yeah, say yeah. him like, "Oh, this is like a Spike Jones film." It's like you, 
you know, you're fucking good luck. Yeah, I mean, well, uh, I think Gondry is like Gondry and Jones. Sometimes I get their movies mixed up, honestly. Yeah. But uh, Gondry, Gondry lost me after oh, Eternal Sunshine. He lost you there. Yeah, I I like Science of Sleep was just some fucking goofy little bullshit, you know. Like I totally, <laughs> I like it, but I it's fucking... just like you know that I think. Yeah, I don't know. Go ahead, your list. Was that like Jude Law? Oh, and Science of, Science of Sleep was, uh, was Gail Garcia Bernal and that chick yeah. from Antichrist and uh, oh. uh, Nymphomaniac. Oh. What's her name? She's amazing. Uh, Chloe Sevig? No, no. no she's I... A, I think she's Spanish or something. Anyway, she's a really beautiful actress. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, Michelle Gondry, he tried. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't even sit through Be Kind Rewind. Hell no. That was I, him? See, yeah. I, I, was like, I don't know. I don't know. Sidestep. I don't know what most deaf was thinking trying to become an actor. This motherfucker, great rapper, but really, I thought I think he's he okay. could sixteen blocks, man. Oh shit! I, I asked I, for my money back. I haven't because seen of most deaf. Oh, he's yeah. annoying. Right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, but be right. I've never seen line, it, so I, I don't know. Michelle Gondry, whatever. It was I just you know, is that like not too generalized, but it's just like that kind of hipster vibe, you know, that I think was. Really potent up until about Eternal Sunshine. You know what about Eternal Sunshine? Adaptation. If I want to, if I want to chime in here real quick, mm-hmm. we went to go see that during when we were at SCAD. Yeah. And I fell asleep in the middle of that fucking movie. Which one? Eternal Sunshine. Eternal Sunshine. That's and what I'm it, saying. It's every like other like hipster or hipster Garden uh, State you about know, to be. I was, I was, I was like, <laughs> they were like blown the fuck yeah. away, and I was like, what, what? the fuck? I, maybe I got to see the ending of it. I don't know, but I was I like, see not I, one I'm a damn ninja. I'm a huge, I'm a huge Jim Carrey <laughs> fan, and I liked it. I like Michelle Gondry, you know, some of the other shit, his music videos and stuff. Yeah. But, but that, like, you know what? I did, I did think I saw the end, like on video, because I was like, I gotta like power through this, but. Mm-hmm. Man, that's just one of the top hipster movies. Yeah, and like I'm not gonna down on hipster movies just because they're hipster. Like Lo- Lost in Translation love. is supposedly a hipster movie. It is. <laughs> yeah. I like that one though, but like Eternal it's, Sunshine, just like it's just one of those movies. Like you hear a lot of people say that's my favorite movie, and I'm like, <laughs> what is going? What? I'm like, this conversation's over. I, I don't want to downplay their opinion. I'm just like wondering, like, is there something wrong with me? Give me that drink <laughs> I bought you. You fell asleep during it, dude. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I never saw it, so I'm not going to say you're wrong. It's or good, right. but yeah, you got to be invested in that kind of yeah, sensibility, I, I think. Oh, real talk, I fell asleep to it uh, during it, too. Um, <laughs> watching it at, like, Steven's house. but A local but fr- family friend in Atlanta. Right. Yeah, Mr. Bannister. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I shouldn't think. I, I don't think you should like denigrate movies right. because hipsters like them because they like everything, or or nothing at all. <laughs> right, or nothing. <laughs> somewhere between the two. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. So I'm definitely gonna mention a few that are definitely hipster movies here. But you know, again, Andrew, you talk about people loving Eternal Sunshine. No one I know ever talks about that movie. So it's like different circles, but. Um, I'm going to bring it to, let's see, Dark City. Oh, oh that's uh, a yeah. fucking great pick. God, I forgot about that yeah. one. I'd so, say that's yeah, the hippest pretty... movie of all. Really? Um, no, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's so I good, though, I man. love Dark City. I'm putting that in my runner-up yeah, list right now. I saw it in theaters. Uh, me and Andrew saw it in theaters. It was like 98. It was the year of The Matrix. So there's a lot of movies year before. Uh, coming out this year. Year before? 
Well, there's a lot of movies coming out this time uh, that had very similar themes to The Matrix. Like, if you watch Dark City, it's kind of beat for beat The Matrix, but obviously they're not copying yes. it. It's just it's just different parallel thinking and a different tone and a different, you know, um, I remember Andrew, you told me, uh, you, I, I don't know, you knew everything about movies all the time and you said, Hey, this movie dark city that's coming out. They are talking about how they have no comic relief in that movie, like none. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that sounds cool. I mean, if you think about Kiefer Sutherland is kind of comic relief because of the way he talks, but, uh, you know, it's just another good, it's one of the only movies that um, Roger Ebert has a commentary track on because he loved. He thought that was the best movie of '98 or whatever. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's really great. It's uh, it got well. Jennifer the Conway. thing about yeah, with Dark City and The Matrix, they have a similar look. But I mean, Dark City right. has no kung fu, <laughs> no guns. Right. It's it's a totally different like story, and the point of the film the films are different. So. Yeah, they might look similar on the surface, but I'd say they're pretty fucking different. Oh, yeah. No, that's my point. And I don't even think they look that similar. Um, I'm just saying, like, you know... They're just on, kind of around the same time, same production quality. Same, same sort of what is reality type of thing. I'm going to lump this in. It's like, I have too many things on my list, so I'm going to lump this in with Existence, the Cronenberg movie. Uh, not his best but I think it's pretty good. It's kind of like The Matrix, but with weird... But twisted. But, yeah, and uh, it's about actual virtual reality. Like, talk, like Cronenberg is one of the more, most forward-thinking writers and directors, like with Videodrome, and then Existence is basically Videodrome with... Wait, so is Existence like your number three going backward, or what? Dude, I, I don't know. It's I'm all over the place. I'm saying I'm lumping <laughs> this in with Dark City. I'm saying this... Dark City, Existence, and Matrix, the Matrix 1 came out around the same time, and they explored similar themes, but in very different ways, and they're all great. Okay. Um, nice. Yeah, so I'm like, if you want a number on my list, Dark City is 6 and Existence is 7, but I haven't really ordered them. But, you know, Existence is great. As a, a God, Jennifer Jason Lee, who can, can do no wrong. She's um, Yeah, it, most recently in The Hateful Eight probably mm-hmm. the best part of that movie mm-hmm. and uh, Jude Law so Jude Law has a terrible American accent in this movie and there's actually an explanation for it later on see Cronenberg is like a master of delayed satisfaction like like why is this happening I don't know I'm just going to go with it for now and then oh okay that makes a ton of sense like there's not really a huge twist at the end but it's just like oh of course that makes sense and that it, it's just you know he makes movies that are just in a class of their own he directs movies that are based on books that people say are unfilmable uh most of them are original like existences willem dafoe is in it as a small part uh you know this is great so i'm gonna move on to blue velvet blue velvet's probably one of the most uh, hipster movies you can think of but oh, I'm slutty. <laughs> but uh uh, I talk about influential. I remember so David Lynch movies. People talk. We're coming up on October. People talk about, uh, you know, their favorite scary movie and stuff like things that just have jump scares. Don't really scare me that much. Um, so much of David Lynch's catalog, I would 
be like, okay, I'm almost ready to watch this. I'm almost ready to watch it for the first time. Because I'd be, like, afraid of what it's going to make me feel. Like, it, it's just, like, Blue Velvet is uh, Cal McLaughlin, mm-hmm. Laura Dern, the, the aforementioned. Uh, That's my woman. Dennis Hopper. <laughs> yeah, Dennis, Dennis Hopper, of course. I love an interesting nose. Uh, <laughs> Dennis, Dennis Hopper is amazing at, you know, there's an infamous story of, you know, he wasn't um, Lynch's first choice of the villain Frank. But then uh, Dennis Hopper wrote, re- uh, read the script, called Lynch, and was like, I have to play Frank. I am Frank. And Lynch and the cast were afraid. They're like, we don't <laughs> want to know anyone like Frank. Yeah. But uh, let's, uh, let's have brunch with him, I guess. And just so many good things in it. Like, uh, man, they're, they're like, uh, how do you describe a David Lynch movie? So it's just like Kyle MacLachlan is probably i think he's a college student he comes back to his hometown during uh break laura dern is a little younger she's still in high school Mm. um near the beginning of the movie kyle mclaughlin finds a severed ear in the middle of a field and this gets his mind you know turning like it would anyone and he you know it's kind of like a it's a really neo-noir film and he wants to get involved in this case that he has no business getting into and he gets uh into this huge like really seedy underworld with frank and you know he involves uh, laura dern in it too but she's like i want to it's all about curiosity isabella rossellini i forgot to mention her i can't believe it um rossellini is like kind of the weird messed up love interest um aside from the traditional love interest in laura dern it's really great. One of the best on-screen villains of all time with Frank, uh, played by Dennis Hopper. So that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, now, uh, I'm going to getting to my last two. Speaking of Jodorowsky earlier, Santa Sangre. Yeah. Now, this is a really weird-ass movie, like all of his are. All of his movies. <laughs> So let me try to encapsulate the premise. So um, there's a woman. So it's like a family who runs a circus um, in Spain, I think. And um, eventually, you know, they get they get away from the circus business kind of. And then she's running her own religion. She like she worships this uh, martyr girl who had her arms cut off it's unclear whether she's actually real or not in the story but then she herself gets her arms cut off and then she travels with her son who acts as her arms during their new act and uh this is a really there's an elephant funeral in it it's just it's an nutty movie it's it's really insane um any movie by this guy is insane, but I'd say he did a lot of acid. Oh yeah, yeah, like Holy Mountain. Damn, oh, yeah. Like that's that's just pure acid on video. Yeah. Uh, if you watch one but, of his movies on acid, a, a portal through space and time will rip open right next to you. Yeah, and then like three Highlanders then, appear next to you. <laughs> Dune, Dune worms. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dune, Dune is like the only Lynch movie I don't like, but that's another yeah. time. Uh, but 
you know, I say influential because it's just there. There, I have a thing for movies where, like Cronenberg and Lynch. You know, I go to them because you get stuff from them that you just don't get anywhere else. Other people, yeah. they're imitators. There are other people who are influenced by them that you know do it pretty well, um, but are good for different reasons. And uh, these just really stand out on their own. They're just, you know, you won't hear a story like that anywhere else, really. And you know the way it's portrayed it's just like goes in all these directions you don't expect and i love that and i can't believe there's not a coen brothers movie in this uh oh there is actually okay that brings me to my last my most influential it's uh barton fink yeah one of the most hipster movies so um this actually reignited my interest in movies in general it was like one of the first movies i streamed on netflix i love the coen brothers but i was like oh i didn't know they did this I'm gonna watch this. I love John Turturro. It is really great. It's um, like I don't know anyone else who can make a movie that is mostly in one hotel room, uh, and it's about the inability to write. Oh, movie. is this the one that's uh, there's a fire at the end? Yeah, yeah. 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 With John Goodman. I've, I've seen this. Yeah. Hell, yeah, yeah. Hitler. Yeah, yeah. John Goodman. <laughs> yeah. So there's there's a ton of stuff you can read into it. Um, it's uh, it, it kind of is a little bit. You know, have you uh, you guys seen A Serious Man by Coen Brothers? Yeah, yeah. So Martin slow, Fink, slow, slow burners. Yeah, um, I love them. I love that too for different reasons. But there's kind of a Schrodinger's cat type element to Martin Fink as well. Like he gets a box. It's approximately head shaped or sized you know he doesn't or like seven at the end of seven um but he doesn't open the box the box yeah yeah exactly uh, put someone the gun on the down beach, david put someone, the gun. someone someone on the beach asks uh, barton fink what is barton fink played by john Turturro, by the way um really so wait let me let me back up a little bit so he moves into he he has his first success on Broadway, I guess, um, as a playwright, and it's like his first, you know, real uh, accomplishment as a writer. Then, you know, he kind of is goaded into moving to Los Angeles to write. So, you guys probably know a little bit about this. Um, people were on contracts back in the day to write movies. They did stuff. There's a whole lot of like subtext in the movie about selling your soul and whatnot. Some of it's a little on the nose some of it's not um there's a great uh kind of ongoing debate about there's a point in the movie where barton fink dies some people say it's like uh, as soon as he arrives at the hotel and then he's in limbo or hell or whatever the rest of the movie mm -hmm. it's just one of those movies that i notice uh, i'm gonna put miller's crossing in here too because uh, another coen brothers movie just every time i watch it um, which is a lot. I noticed something new or different or, oh, I never thought about that. Uh, John Goodman is great in Bart Fink. John Turturro is great. Judy Davis. Um, oh, the, uh, John Mahoney. Uh, it's either Jack or John Mahoney. Uh, he plays a guy who's basically like William Faulkner um, analog in the movie and Barton's writing hero because there's a lot of stuff back, you know, in history about... Uh, like accomplished 
novel writers moving to LA and having no success whatever whatsoever and in uh, writing movies because it was a totally different format and all that stuff it's it's really surreal movie but it's not too slow it's it's uh, filmed amazingly by Roger Deakins I think this is the first one he did with the Coens and then became their regular cinematographer um, I can't say enough good things about this movie and yeah it made me want to um, write screenplays um, that's probably why it's number one and uh, yeah it, it got me back into movies honestly nice. there's a big period where I just didn't watch any movies at all and uh, this just made me hungry for movies all over again so that's my list sorry guys I went on nice that was a good one alright so <clears throat> mine are in chronological again I like the chronological order because it helps me tell the story as well story of his life yes so starting at number five is the Karate Kid this yes. is from the beginning <laughs> from the beginning guys Pretty good. Cause the Karate Kid. Hold on. What's happened to our audio here? What do you mean? I'm not sure. There's weird. some major back sound going on or something. I'll mute my uh, mic while you talk. Hold on. Okay. All right. So, <clears throat> cutting back to that. All right. So, uh, yeah. So my my top five are chronological. And starting from the beginning, uh, my number five is The Karate Kid. And the reason for that is that was <laughs> it's probably the most influential because I think that kind of started me on the path to like liking Japan and martial arts and shit. Interesting. Because this was the, and I think Ebert might have even noticed or said this first, uh, it, it, it like Bruce Lee brought martial arts to America, but this showed that other side of martial arts. Yeah. that side that was just about self-defense and not being a badass and all that kind of jazz and um, you know I've I worked with an Asian a Chinese dude he's Chinese but still he 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 said that he felt like mr. Miyagi was a bit of a caricature like an Asian caricature but uh -huh. growing up I didn't really feel that like of course I was a kid for one but like I had such respect for him for watching that character so yeah, how many kids? Sorry, how many kids grew up watching Mr. Miyagi and being like, "This guy's a badass. I want to yeah. listen to him." You know, yeah. Like, maybe it has to, you know, take form of caricature to get across to us. But you know, yeah, exactly. We never felt negatively about him, at least in my opinion. Yeah, he was only positive, and he was the one that was, you know, kind of above Daniel in every way except for youthfulness. I guess you know what I mean. And uh, I don't know. It was like it was like that the martial arts and it had a cool ending and all the like training had basically a training montage mm -hmm. and one of the best one of the around. best good music you know <laughs> great 80s music you know it might as well have been fucking a john hughes film with martial arts you know it was like <laughs> kind of in that area but um yeah i'd say it's definitely one of the most influential in my life period uh moving on to number four let me Wait, check my yeah before go you move on uh -huh. uh, if you haven't seen the real Miyagi yet, that documentary, check that I, shit out. I have seen that uh, via your Facebook probably, and I definitely want to check yeah, that out. Watch it. Pat Morita has a really uh, big influence. You know that like the the guy I forget his name now who's profiled in that documentary. Um, he was like the uh, 
he was kind of like he was he was the guy that came in to show Miyagi how to be Miyagi because uh, up until that point Pat Morita was more of a comedic actor, right, and, right, right, and, and and didn't necessarily do like you know he was an Asian guy, but he didn't really necessarily play like these Asian type of roles, you know, like foreigner roles or whatever. Anyway, right, so. right, yeah, and like through this character too, like you were able to kind of get a sense of like oh, it's a good, you know, like, like when I was a kid, like even when I was a kid, I could kind of tell like. It maybe I don't want to say all of Asia, but like especially Japan, like they looked at fighting and self defense or martial arts differently. Like when you yeah. look at look like I would compare it to Europe. Europe had like fencing and some sword fighting, and that was it. But then when you looked at Asia, kung fu, wushu, you yeah. know, eskrima, karate, judo, jujitsu, all this shit. It was it was like obvious that all the cool stuff was in Asia. Yeah, it was so is. fucking obvious. I mean, fencing is cool. I did a little bit of it uh, in really? college myself, actually. But uh, you know, I was like, when I was a kid, it was like this. This is where it's at, guys. This is where it's at. Yeah, totally. And I, sorry, I, I just want to piggyback onto that um, because yeah, that that was probably the first time I remember seeing a form of fighting or martial arts as a way of life, or like you know, don't use this to you know just bully people this is to combat bullies if you you know if they come at you and you know it's very noble that was like that's a very positive thing for american kids. yeah i mean miyagi has this line is like i hate fighting and i was like as a kid i was like oh, he hates fighting that's amazing <laughs> you know like blows your mind he, he trains how to fight every day but he also hates it <laughs> you know, like I was like, wow. Uh, yeah. And one, yeah. yeah I, I, speaking of uh, Mr. Miyagi, Pat Morita again. Um, sorry. So, um, I was in a, I was in a few metal bands. Um, I remember, like, remember the days of MySpace. I remember these, uh, this other band in the area. When Pat Morita died, they were like jokingly promoting their show as um like something like you know mr miyagi appreciate it was just it was jokey and stupid and i actually got mad and uh responded to the guy like hey that's his character mr miyagi his name's pat marita or noriyuki and the guy was like, oh, okay, I didn't know you'd be mad about that. Like, no, I'm not mad. Do your fucking lame show. <laughs> and I, like, got into an argument with this guy because I was like, how dare you try to sully the name of the late Pat Morita. Pat Noriyuki <laughs> Morita. Yeah, I, was, I literally said, I, I learned that from you, Andrew, I, uh, his name Noriyuki. And I was like, look, call him Pat Morita, call him Noriyuki. Don't call him just... Mr. Miyagi, that's his character. Yeah, that, you fuck. You know, every, everyone loved. Yeah, I was fucking pissed. And, you know, <laughs> that's what, that's, like, there's two people that passed away, like, celebrities that passed away that, um, you know, kind of really affected me. One's Pat Morita, and later on, uh, Old Dirty Bastard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Seriously. Yeah, so, like, fucking Mr. Miyagi, uh, Big ups to you, bro. Pouring one out for you now. Yeah, he was, he was the shit. 
So moving on to my next one, also has Daniel San in it, and that was, and it was also introduced to me via my parents actually, because my parents would watch this movie. That's my cousin Vinny. Oh yeah. Yes. Chronologic. Yes. I don't know if they. It's, this is not chronologically when the movies came out. This is chronologically as to when I saw them. Yeah. That was after Karate Kid, though. And Maddie is here, but Maddie, you're gonna go next, all right? Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm kind of in the middle of mine, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So. That uh, yeah, number four is my cousin Vinny. I just like a being from the south and being from Alabama. Like that's whenever they that's that was like the setting was Alabama, so it was like really cool to see a comedy set here, and it was kind of like uh, you know fish out of water. You got two New Yorkers, and for the longest time, like those two, Marissa Tomei and uh, Pesci, they were like my you know what I thought of a New Yorkers sh- should be, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I thought that was so great. Yeah, um, it's a good one. Good one. Then moving on to number three, uh, Braveheart. I knew uh, it. I was like, when is Braveheart going to come up in Andrew's list? There it yeah, is. Yeah. I just took a shit on Western fighting, but the fighting in this movie is awesome. Uh, of course, Mel Gibson sucks now, but at the time, he was amazing. <laughs> a great director, as everybody always says, and... Um, I don't know, like, you know, it came out, like, before I even hit puberty, probably, but I remember watching this, like, three, four-hour movie and just being totally fucking blown away. And I know the first few times I watched this movie, I didn't really get what was going on. Like, when they talk about Prima Nocta, like, I don't think I really understood that plot point until I was, like, my fifth or sixth viewing because I was just so young, and, of course, I didn't understand Latin or... I don't know, I just wasn't really paying attention or something. I was watching the backgrounds or something i don't know um and uh yeah i just thought it was great they had a lot of coverage that was like i remember that's when they started showing like hey we go we're going behind the scenes with this movie with braveheart you know like a network television or whatever and then they would show you how they did it that was like one of the first movies i remember they doing that with yeah, I mean, I've seen behind the scenes on that as well, like, like huge battle scenes and all that shit, but, uh, yeah, I mean, what can I say, uh, historical epic, it's a lot, I think it's a lot of dudes' favorite movie, but, uh, fuck off, it's in my list as well. Uh, <laughs> what about the Patriot? What about the Patriot? No, not the Patriot. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, all right, but, you roll, know, whatever. Roll an Emmerich, come on, Emmerich, fuck you. Right. All right, so, uh, what are we at, number... Number two, uh, again, this is chronologically here. Uh, oh, brother, where art thou? My favorite yes. comedy of all time. Uh, yeah. And I, it's weird. My three favorite comedies uh, are all based in the South, uh, which are you know, Raising Arizona, uh, My Cousin Vinny, and Oh, brother, oh, where art thou? Man. But oh, oh, brother, where art thou? Is is number one. I don't know why. It's just like, it came out when I was in high school. The cinematography is great. The soundtrack is great. I can quote half the fucking movie without even looking at the script. Because I've been doing that for years. Oh, and, George, not the livestock. Like, whenever, yeah. I like to tell people, like, and look, maybe this is my opinion, but I like to say, like, that's the Big Lebowski of the South, guys. I don't know many people that like the Big Lebowski that much. I didn't meet many people that liked that movie that much until I got to SCAD. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I remember, you know, Abby, that was, like, her favorite movie. And it's, it's a great movie. You know, it's a Coen Brothers movie and all that. Like, I like it, but... I don't know. I, de- I never really noticed the following that much in the South, but like I, I was working on the show Face Off on uh, Sci-Fi Channel, right? Yeah. 
And actually around, like, a, a good third of the crew was actually from North Carolina. And they could quote the whole fucking movie as well, man. Like, uh, we were quoting Oh Brother on the set all the fucking time. So that was hilarious. Uh, so I'm just saying it's not just me. And then the yeah. last the last one on my list, and again, this is not number one because it's the best. It's just the one that's, like, the most influential most recently, and that's the fucking Dark Knight. Uh, oh. Something about... You know, people like to say it's more of a Joker movie than a Batman movie. Fine, I, whatever. But still, like it, it was like, if any superhero movie could be in the Criterion Collection, mm-hmm. it is this movie. Definitely. And then maybe Batman Begins is a runner-up, but definitely Dark Knight. And yeah. I, I look. Everybody knows I like all the Marvel films. I've bought several of them, but I, I, I think to this date, none of them can get into Criterion. Like, Nolan, like, surpassed this genre somehow, you know? So, uh, yeah, it's number one. Uh, I think it's fucking great. I saw it four times in the theater. I was living in Japan at the time. I saw it first in America, I think twice, and then twice in Japan. It was expensive as fuck. Uh, but uh, that's basically the end of my list, and uh, take it away, Maddie. Okay, all right. Um... I don't have these aren't in particular order. I just was looking at my DVD shelf and just kind of wrote them down just a second ago. So uh, uh, for number one, I have Night of the Hunter. Okay. Nice. Oh. By uh, Charles uh, Lofton, and I think it was his only movie that he directed because I think he died like a year or two after it. Nineteen fifty-five. And it's mm-hmm. got. Uh, Robert Mitchum in it, and I was on a huge Robert Mitchum kick for a long time after I saw this movie. Really great, about a preacher who has love and hate tattooed on his hands, and he murders women, and for the time... <laughs> <laughs> the old Saturday night. Uh, but great, great film. Uh, next, I have High and Low by Kurosawa. Oh, nice, uh, nice. It is yeah. my favorite, just because I was watching a lot of his samurai stuff, and... Uh, I just didn't, when someone told me to watch this, I was like, oh, I wonder what I'm in for. And it's like, when I watch this, it's like an early, it's like an episode of The Wire. It's like, it tells you every perspective from like, when the kid gets stolen, and then half the film is like the cops trying to track the dude. It's like an all-encompassing like, mystery, like, who's the bad guy, who is this guy. And then the one scene of color when they burn the suitcase in the pink smoke, it's so fucking good. Oh, dude, it's what film. I actually haven't seen that, and I really want to see it now. (laughs) Yeah, uh, and then third, I have The Devil's Backbone by uh, Del Toro. Uh, Oh yeah. I think most of you here know my love for him, and this is probably my favorite. Yeah, it's probably my favorite ghost story and my favorite film by him, with uh, Pan's Labyrinth coming up as number two. Nice, nice. Hey, Devil's Backbone. Wait, wait, say it again, Maddie. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, Pan's Labyrinth comes out on uh, on Criterion really soon. So oh shit! All right. I'm excited for that uh, to see what that looks like. So was anybody gonna say anything before? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. No, no. I, w- I wanted to say like the I never saw the Devil's Backbone, but that's the one that was like had a lot of 9/11 type stuff in it, right? No. Oh. It takes place during the Spanish Revol the Spanish Civil War, I think. When did it come uh, out? Uh, that movie came out like ninety. Eight, no, two thousand one. Two thousand one, really? Devil's yeah. Backbone. No so shit. this 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 clicking that you've been hearing is me looking up all of Maddie's movies. Yeah, yeah and uh, Devil's Backbone's yeah. about. It's like the Devil's Backbone is like the Sixth Sense set in the Spanish Civil War, I think it is. And yeah, um, someone lied to me. 
That's a yeah. That's a. I mean, there one might be it. some. I, I don't think it has anything to do with like 9/11, but someone could have drawn comparisons from. Maybe. I don't Maybe. Know. Yeah. There's a, there's a missile in it, which has nothing yeah, to do yeah, with 9/11. Yeah, yeah. A missile hit the Pentagon, right? Some documentary was talking about that movie uh, briefly, and it showed the scene with the missile and was like drawing parallels to 9/11. So oh, I, I mean, it, it looked it, it looked great. Other Del Toro's amazing. I, I can't believe Pan's Labyrinth is not already in Criterion, to be honest. I, I'm assuming Kronos it's probably, is. I think it's probably because like New Line probably owned the rights to Pan's Labyrinth for a while, so then Criterion had to let it run its course, and then they bought it. So. Yeah. Um, sorry, I, didn't mean I don't know interrupt. how that shit works. So. <laughs> but uh, all right, number four is John Carpenter's The Thing, the best remake ever. Oh, that was <laughs> that was on my list, but. You know, I had to cut some down, but yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I love this movie. Yeah, um, and then number five, I just let's see if anybody here can guess it. Star Wars. Uh, Steph and go. Um, hey, wait, wait, wait. Uh, Alien. Oh, close. Damn. Aliens. Oh. Predator. There you go, Predator. Yeah. Wow. So. Damn. I should have known that. That's amazing, those, yeah. Those are the encompassing <laughs> films that, like, if you like any of these films, we're probably going to be friends. If you hate <laughs> all five of these films, we will be enemies for life. <laughs> that works. But, nice, yeah, those are nice. So, Andrew, um, we need – so, October, and therefore Halloween is coming up. Like, <laughs> I want to I know uh, what everyone's, like uh, – like, October of every year, I – gear up for Halloween by just like watching a random, usually one I've never seen before, obscure weird horror movie on Netflix yeah. or something. Nice. Every day. And I want to know what you guys like best, you know, October, Halloween uh, we movie We should put pick. together doesn't a list. Have... Yeah, it doesn't have to be another horror. Another list. <laughs> well, well, no, I mean, we should put together a list that we watch Oh, yeah, 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 talk yeah, yeah. About. I, I, I'm going to say. You mean for, for October, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna say Dead Alive, also known as Brain Dead, is Peter Jackson's zombie movie. Mm-hmm. That's one I saw. It's discovered on Netflix, and holy shit, is it insane! Peter Jackson was unhinged back then. Oh yeah. Like he did uh, Bad Taste. Meet uh, the Feebles. Watch Meet yeah, the Feebles next. <laughs> I never saw that one. That was, that motherfuckers, like, psycho. This is always so like Dead Alive. It. It is. When did that come out? Like 80? 81? I don't know. But it's. Later. It was like 90 something. Oh, but, but it was, you know, his still his uh, B movie period yeah, where yeah. he was. 92. Just though, I don't uh, even yeah. know if it's like a B movie period. It's probably just like he didn't have money and wanted to make a movie. It was a big budget what? New Zealand movie. Right, well... Yeah, that's the thing, <laughs> that right? Yeah, they're on, a di- they're on a different level over there. Yeah. Hold, hold on. No, no, no. That, was it big budget? Because I'm just, I was being facetious. It's uh, okay, for sorry. New Zealand, it's a, probably a massive budget. You know... They were probably working in somebody's budget, backyard budget, the whole time. Budget was $3 million. Yeah, I mean... So, uh, I mean, have you seen that? That sounds like big... Like, for a 1992 New Zealand film, that might have been... Pretty big. Average, movie, I'm guessing. That was a very, that was just a very, very interesting take on the whole zombie thing. Pretty. So I know. saw, 
Jordan, you're about to ask me if I've seen this. I saw I saw this movie probably at Superhouse, but I can't remember because Maddie and James and everybody were always watching some shit, and I would like. I think I caught like all these movies kind of midway. You mean Dead Alive? Dead Alive and Meet the Feebles and I all of them, dude. I think yeah. I saw all these all these movies. Yeah, I mean, so I said B movie period, as in like when he didn't have money, like bad taste. He didn't. I think that was his first, maybe. Um, but, like, they literally didn't know about safety equipment. They did stunts in that movie that look fucking dangerous because they were. It's like you're looking at a guy about to die, basically, <laughs> doing these stunts, hanging off a yeah. cliff and stuff. And but, but seriously, like, his early movies, especially Dead Alive, where it's literally just a house party with zombies, and he has, you know, he gets a... Oh, there's a part where he just... So the main character is just like a, he's kind of a pussy to begin with. And they, because he's like a vet, uh, he's like a veterinarian, I think. So he's actually spending most of the movie trying to keep the zombies alive. Like, I don't know what's going on. I I just don't want, you know, these guys to suffer. And then it just goes all fucking ape shit. And uh, his uncle invites, like, the whole town. And then they all become zombies. And, you know, I'll... The film uh, familiar rules about zombies that you know, just throw those out the window because there's a part where like uh, there's a zombie that's just they kill him to the point where he's just intestines and the intestines are sentient and they just tr like are crawling up the walls and shit. Oh my god, so many fucking creative deaths in that movie and some of it's kind of fucked up, but it's really great. Anyway, that's my October recommendation. Go ahead, Andrew. <laughs> Is this what we're doing now? Okay, so yeah, I'll, I'll make I'm, my, I'm... I'll make mine quick. I'm not. I mean, I'm not really like as big of a horror guy as everybody else is. Like my thing has always been like martial arts, sci-fi, some comedy, you know, action. So that's been my main deal. But um, my favorite horror movies are probably uh, The Shining and The Thing. Yeah, great. Uh, so I watch watch one of those. Um, yeah, I mean, oh, I mean, yeah, maybe Alien too. Yeah, Alien One is a good horror movie, whereas Aliens is the more action. Uh, the Shining, I thought I owned that, but I don't because I just recently looked. It's on my list of movies to watch. It's this. weird too. Like when you watch the sign, the Shining, you're like, "What was the point of that?" It's just like some, because it feels like when with Kubrick especially, like there's a fucking message there. He's not just making shit, you know. He's a very cere cerebral director. But when you watch The Shining, you're like, uh, "I guess some people just go crazy," you know. Well, like, yeah. that's that's all there is to it. I think that's what I like about it. Uh, too. I mean, and uh, I think Stephen King, I might be wrong, but I think Stephen King famously hated uh, Stanley Kubrick's direction with that. And, yeah, he, uh, he did He did not like it. That's why he wanted the uh, the redo of it. But, uh, I mean, I, I, I even though I said that, I, I do kind of like that I don't know, like, it's Kubrick's sensibilities are, are, are just over, overweigh the kind of lack of message and i'm I, you know not every movie needs a message but by god this guy made 2001 you know what yeah, i mean I like know. like in clockwork orange you know and and everything like that lolita so uh it's it just seems to like stand apart from those other films he made yeah it does and i just want to say um 
One last thing, watch uh, The Shining and then watch Room 237, the documentary about all the conspiracy theories about I've, I That was on yeah. Netflix, and I saw that, and that was like, I felt, look, it was it was interesting, it was kind of scary, which was cool, but I feel yeah. like most of those conspiracies are b- bullshit. Oh, no, they are. That's the whole point. It's yeah. like you, so I was watching, uh, yeah, I'd watch that and be like, oh, this, they, hmm. They may have something with this conspiracy theory, and then a few minutes later, be like, "Wait, what? They're full of shit." And then I would, you know, just that cycle over and over again. Like, Kubrick's Kubrick's daughter, Kubrick's daughter, she posted on her Twitter, like it was a link to a longer thing, but she she had this like whole like page essay of, like, please do not think of my father as a somebody that denied us landing on the moon, like no. this. She was she was like really adamant. It was like a very heartfelt letter. Like this should not be part of my father's legacy. Oh yeah, no. You watch Room Two Three Seven, and I mean, my takeaway from it was that if anything, Kubrick was making fun of people who thought that he did the moon landing footage. No, nah, but like, that, that, all this came after after he died, probably. You know, like I don't even know whether he was aware of these rumors about the movie. No, I, I think the moon stuff, he was, like, kind of taunting at it. Like, yeah, like, daring people to believe, yeah, I did it, whatever. Like, that's my takeaway from it. But, you know, it's also, like, you can read into anything in that movie. I, I just like it because it's so simple but very dense at the same time. And it's just, it communicates a mood very, very well. Um, when I first saw it, I was like, wait what kind of horror movie is this? Only one person dies. Um, you know, I had a, I had a skewed perspective of what horror was supposed to be, but yeah, I mean, it's really creepy and, uh, very beautifully shot. And, uh, I love where they chose to film with that and stuff. So yeah, that's, that's definitely, uh, a classic. And then watch room two, three, seven, and then laugh at the people who believe this crazy bullshit. Maddie or Stefan, do you have a recommendation for, what we were talking about again? I guess we're doing like a real quick like October viewing recommendation. Oh, um, uh, I'm gonna do two movies, just real quick. Um, one is uh, oh my god, Night of the Creeps because I haven't I haven't personally seen it yet, but it looks amazing. It's so great. And um, and then what's the other one? Uh, it's a vampire movie. Maddie, help me out. It's a vampire movie. It's kind of a road trip movie. Stay <laughs> No, it's older than that. It's what year? Um, what year? Near Dark. Near Dark. That's the one. Near Dark is fucking incredible. Near Dark, yeah. Maddie, did oh, we yeah. watch that at SCAD together? Uh, possibly. I might have seen it in Chicago. Oh, uh, okay. I feel like I, I, you, that was a SCAD film. Oh movie. man, it was directed by Catherine Bigelow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that's amazing. That's one of my favorite movies. The the music is um. Uh, Tangerine Dream, I believe. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it's so good, man. It's like it's it's another one of those like quintessential '80s like cult horror films. Um, you know, it's a, in part it's kind of a, a, a Living Dead film. In part, it's kind of like a crime movie. In part, it's like a road movie. You know, it's like it's, like, it's got all these great elements to it. Bill Paxton, one, one of his really good roles, man. One of his really sinister. Uh, also portrayals as a bad Lance guy. Henderson. Yeah, Lance Henderson. Also, it's, I think it's one of the few times that they actually try to cure vampire. Yeah, the, yeah, the, they, to they cure it. So uh, yeah, they always... have a uh, a little 
storytelling mechanism in order to get that. You know, like all the characters are great. The chicken it is super hot. The the main guy, God, what was his name? He turned up on some show that I really liked a while well back. Adrian Pazdar. A- yeah, Adrian Pazdar. He's really good in, in Near Dark when he, you know, when he first came out. And he, yeah, he popped up in a few other things on TV. Dude, I never um, even heard of this movie before. It, it's a, it's, it a, it's like a, it's a perfect storm of a, of a little horror movie. It's a different take on like a vampire thing. It's very like, I don't know, Midwest, Southwest, Middle America kind of. Or yeah, maybe like a, Southwest, like kind of take take on, on the vampire thing before movies like Stakeland or or what's the one Dust Dust Till Dawn or something. It's I think a tight uh, ass movie, man. Great effects too, like really great practical effects. Nineteen eighty-seven. Yeah, it's like Catherine Bigelow seems to be the best, or at least really good at. Like Point Break is the yeah, most amazing thing about that movie is that, it's a good. It's like Cat- everything Cat- about it. <laughs> Catherine Bigelow is the female Michael Mann. I'm just going to say it. You, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, I would she agree just, too. Didn't they, weren't they married? <laughs> I don't know. No, she they? was married I to somebody. she was married to James Cameron. That's what it Was it James Cameron? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, James Cameron. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, Catherine Bigelow, fucking, most of her movies great. are just great. I'm definitely going to check that out now. I did not even know that existed. Yeah. All right, but we'll I mean, take that I love to watch. I'm going to do three. Fuck it. Right. <laughs> Go ahead. Fuck it. Pumpkinhead, Trick nice. or Treat, yes. and The Exorcist. Yeah. yeah Those are the ones I love to watch every... I watch Exorcist every Halloween. It scares me just as much as it used to. I mean, it's getting... Where Somebody shit my it. pants. I, just wa- I watched the uh, first episode for the television show uh, last night. How was that? Uh... All right, it's pretty cool. They they pay homage to the uh, the Exorcist film as part of the canon, but it's not about that story. That story has been told, but it's part of the history. So, like at one point, a guy goes back to look at exorcisms, and they show the stairs and talk about like the people who died there and what happened. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes, this is what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, it's pretty good. It's a uh, it was weird. I was in Chicago. Um, last week and we pulled up to a bar and they're like i was like oh shit there's a lot of white vans here filming and the guy was like oh it's probably shameless and i was like oh that's cool so i went in had a couple beers and i was pretty drunk at this point i was like i'm gonna go get on that set that's what's gonna happen (laughs) i walked over there and i was trying to like see what was going on i didn't really see anything i was pretty drunk but i left but i saw a guy wearing an exorcist shirt and it didn't dawn on me till the show came out because it's filmed in chicago that I was probably on like close to watching them film a scene from The Exorcist. You so, fucked up. I did. That's what I get for drinking. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what you get. There's an Exorcist TV show. Yeah, it yeah. just uh, aired last week. It's got Gina Davis, baby. Maddie, uh, for for I me that. Sorry, I, just, I I was the other day. I was saying like, where did Gina Davis go? And to my to my house. Oh, she's my wife. The Exorcist. <laughs> we live together. Hey, good on you, good on you, bro. She's got a big mouth. I like it. The the most interesting thing for me with The Exorcist was that uh, it wasn't a demon. They even say this in the movie. It it was uh, it was the Satan himself. I always thought that was like the the most interesting part. It's, it's, it's a Ranzi Pazuzu. Yeah, it's a, not, it's, that's Exorcist yeah. too. Uh. Pazuzu, right? Is Exorcist 2? Hold on one second. Is anybody else hearing Echo? A little bit. Dude, I Some, want to say... Something happened with the sound here. 
Hold on. I'm, yeah, I'm still I'm still hearing it. Oh, now I am. I'm checking one two one two. No, it's not you. Still there. Is it me? Can you mute your mic for a second? Fuck me. Yeah. Check one two one two one two. Uh, Jordan, mute your mute yours. It was muted. I'll mute it again. Oh, it's probably Maddie's. One two one two one two. Uh, I think it's Jordan. Maddie, unmute yours. Check one two one two. That's slightly on your end, Maddie. Okay. Well, it fuck. took me forever to get online, so. All right. All right. Fuck it. Shit. I wish there was some way to fix this shit. Try to move your mic away from your computer, if you can. All right. How's that? Check one two one two. Why does this show up out of nowhere, man? I can't hear it. So. If I can hear it, it's getting recorded though. That's the thing. Hmm. Oh, I think it went away. It's the Illuminati. Do you okay. need to log okay. off? No, I think. Check one two one two. Oh, it's, it's good. We are yeah. good. Okay, everybody, just stay in these positions. Sorry about that. Okay. Um. <clears throat> I like burritos. <laughs> uh, fuck. I know I spoiled the mood there, but it's just the quality. You didn't uh. spoil anything. <laughs> okay. Um. <laughs> Maddie, did you? Oh, you you went through all your uh, uh, your three. The, yeah, it's not Satan. It's Pazuzu, is the demon that shows up in The Exorcist. Oh, that's right. I remember, but th doesn't the priest say it's the Satan himself or something? Uh, they don't yeah. know. What the fuck do priests know? Uh, all right, never mind. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm remembering. Uh, I said the most most the most interesting thing was actually fucking wrong. Anyway, I do like the movie though. <laughs> uh, I I will say if you do like read the book. The book is fucking great. Okay. Because um, there's a lot more conversations about, like, he's talking to this very old being and him being Whoa. a man from the, like, you know, current times at the time. And the conversations are great because they're not even scary. It's just you're like, oh, dude, I want to, like, talk that's to a fucking awesome. demon that's possessed yeah. a little girl. Oh, shit, I got to save this little girl. So, that's um, awesome. But the conversations are great because the demon the entire book is trying to, like, convince this priest not to be a priest about, like, how all this fucked up shit happens and blah, blah, blah. It's just, like, back and forth between them. Really? It's that, so The movie good. is nothing like that. Well, no, the movie is – it, yeah, it's a horror film. I mean, Interesting. And, like, I'm if reading you watch any, tomorrow. Yeah, if you, like, watch any kind of, like, documentaries about it or anything, like <clears> – <throat> And, like, him talking about the movie versus the book, it's always, like, a thing. is like, they went into this movie to make it a horror film to scare people. Yeah. Because, like, you could, like, reading a book is totally different than watching a film. You're trying to, like, get emotions out of people in, a in two hours where a book is an entirely different experience. So, like, I get it. Exorcist is a great horror film. It's also, like, a great fucking horror novel that just, like, really great, really, really deep. I had one fucked up dream while reading it because people said that I would, but uh, nice. it wasn't that bad. I'll All tell right. a story real quick. Go ahead. So, my sister has to move in with me because her apartment flooded. She brings her cats. Like, this is fine. Cool. All right. But her cats have the face of Reagan full, full fucking extra, uh, demon mode. But they just do normal cat shit. Like, you go to sit down, and they're just in your spot, and you're like, God damn it, cat. <laughs> or you're, like, making a sandwich, and they jump on your sandwich, and you're like, no, what are you doing in the peanut butter? Like, God the damn it, cat. It was basically that, the entire dream, just with really fucked up faces. <laughs> oh, God. It was awesome. terrifying, but also hilarious at the same time. 
But yeah, that was like my one fuck. Because everyone I talked to, they're like, oh, dude, I read it and I had like some fucked up shit happen. And I was like, all right, well, I'm, I'm diving in. Here we go. And the then book I was is like, cursed. Yeah, like I read, like, that's the only thing that happened. And I was like, that's probably because like they describe a little bit of like what she looks like going through it. But it was obviously like the movie effects that like popped up in my head. So I don't know. Read the book. If you like to read, that's my Halloween suggestion. I'm gonna do you one better and write The Exorcist. Oh, from my well, own, bro. from my own, no research, no nothing. I'm just gonna write it and call it The Exorcist. It's done. <laughs> I just finished it. <laughs> Emailing it to I'm you directly. Scared. I'm too Sounds scared. Terrible. I don't want to read it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that was all about. All right. Uh, I have dual personalities. Did Wait. you guys? Did you guys want to move on to the Ghost in the Shell talk or what? No. Yes. So, go ahead. go ahead. I'm going to go smoke some weed real quick. Bro, you're going to have to. Can I get a beer? Can I get a beer? I'm All right, time? yeah, go I'm ahead. In, I'm in yeah, the place. I can't smoke inside. Me and Andrew will shoot the shit. So, yeah. Andrew, catch, catch remember, up his bros. Yeah. Remember, uh, Dad said The Exorcist was the only movie he ever um, walked out on because he was so scared. And, like, things horror-wise don't play the same way they used to, I guess, because... Yeah. Well, also, I guess uh, watching it at home is a much different thing when it's like, you know, you're like, when was the last time you watched The Exorcist 1? I haven't seen it in so long, I can't even remember. I mean, I, I, I remember watching it on VHS the first time dur during the day. Yeah, yeah. Because I was so I afraid of and it. I remember, being, I remember being so bored. The last thing I remember was him, I guess the main character, like, working out with a punching bag or something and and then i fell asleep or something i don't know i was young but i don't I know like, if i'm remembering this i don't know if i'm remembering this like very well but it, it, if i remember this correctly it was almost like a like they were like pres crime procedural elements but in, like yeah. they were, but but instead of like with a criminal it's with a demon so and i thought that was interesting so there's this great um i had this book called i think behind the scene or, no, no, that's not a good title. It was something like that. It had all these, uh, you know, famous movie scenes, and then it would tell you, like, what actually happened or, you know, um, how they got the shot or something. So there – I can't remember what scene it was exactly in The Exorcist, but the guy who played a preacher was actually a preacher, not an actor. Um, and he uh, – William Friedkin, the director, was not getting the performance out of him that he wanted. So the story goes that he went up, you know, after a few takes, he went up to the preacher guy and was like, do you trust me? And the priest says, yes. And William Freak can just fucking bitch slaps him <laughs> and then start shooting again. And then he was like, okay, now you're believable. I, I now believe that you're fucking scared as shit. He slapped the guy to get a good performance out of him. Oh, yeah, I remember hearing about that. The other yeah. thing is, like, this it's the only horror movie to ever get be nominated for Best Picture, as far as I know. Oh, yeah, so that... I, I wanted to say something about The Dark Knight. So, like, when, when... Speaking of, you know, unlikely candidates getting the um, nomination or whatever... Or winning the Dark Knight, you know, when that uh, when those Oscars happened, people were like, "Oh, of course Heath Ledger's getting the Oscar because he's, you know, he's dead. It's a posthumous, it's a pity Oscar or something." But 
I'm of the mind that if he was still alive when the Os- those Oscars happened, I bet he would still at least be nominated. Like maybe he won because He's you know dead. he died and yeah, and you know that would have been you know he, he gave his have all been great. for the role. Yeah, that's what it seems probably, like. That's truly, I'd say, the most well-deserved Oscar. I mean, yeah. yeah <laughs> but wouldn't have anyway. been great. Wouldn't have been great if he was still alive, and that was like one of the like. Is there any other superhero movie where someone won, won an Oscar for? Like he could do. I remember. So again, Andrew, uh, with Dad. Tobey Maguire won for Spider-Man. He won Best he Actor. Won yeah, you don't remember that. I think you're fucking with us. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think you're fucking. Um, so, our dad is n- notorious for just falling asleep during movies and being like, "I'm watching it. I'm watching." And then you know, while he's snoring, saying this shit. And <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, in a theater, in a theater, watching The Dark Knight, he was so fucking into it. And like that scene where, with the pencil and um, uh, Heath Ledger, you know. Like, let me show you a trick, whatever. Like, I remember him leaning over to me and Andrew being like, now that's an actor. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that's it, right, that's right. And I, and I was, like, confused for a second. I was like, is he fucking around? Or, you know, because it's ha- sometimes hard to tell if our dad is messing with it. But, no, he would, like, for years after that, he would be like, give like, like, quizzes. And his quizzes are like, what is the best performance in the last 20 years of any movie? Nice. And I'd be like, um, I don't know. Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight? He's like, correct. <laughs> <laughs> so I love that he loved that. Like, that's the one that spoke to him. He hated the next one, but, uh, or he couldn't even stay awake. But yeah. Why did like, he yeah. hate the next one? The Dark Knight Rises <laughs> he, was such a brilliant film. <laughs> I, at the time, yeah. No, I, I remember saying this. Uh, I was like, I was like, the Dark Knight Rises. I was like, Andrew, that's my Braveheart. <laughs> Dark Knight Rises, boner lowers. Boner lowers. Boner lowers. Boner recedes. My Chris uh, Nolan hard on ceased to exist. Well, he could have cut out like forty-five minutes of that shit, but uh, yeah. it, it was. Uh, I I thought it was great. For like, I saw it twice in the theaters, and I was like. It may be better than The Dark Knight. And then I was like, no, no, but it's, I, I like it. Yeah, um, I, I don't hate it, of course. I mean, no. but you, you can, like, because sometimes talk I need a little any... Frine Branca. <laughs> Remember, that's the, that's the drink that Alfred has at the end, Frine Branca. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like... Next time... people, people shit on that scene, but my God, at least they fucking tried to, like, <laughs> like, put, you know, tie it all together i mean shit i don't care if it's a dream or not at least <laughs> at least we got to the i, I like that scene fuck everybody i like, I like wait, that wait. scene that's who not that scene is not the problem with that movie it's a bunch of other yeah. shit i agree andrew who doesn't like that scene i mean like of you all know, the things in the movie like I, I would say i have more beef with the you know nightwing you should use your middle name whatever the fuck like i have more problems yeah. with that than that I read scene a, I read a good, interesting bit about The Dark Knight Rises and the overarching like continuity and details. So there's, uh, there's a moment in Batman Begins when Bruce and Ra's al Ghul at the time, Ducard, are like, he's training him and shit like that, and he knocks the ice out from under his feet and knocks him in the ice or whatever. 
Um, but in The Dark Knight Rises, there's the scene where Gordon ends up meeting Batman at some point, and Batman has to come from a certain direction or something like that, and has to... They don't really say this outright in the movie, but Commissioner Gordon says something like, how did you get here without, you know, whatever, like, where did you come from or something like that? Um, insinuating a bit or pointing to that moment in Batman Begins where he would have walked across the ice um, yes, without, you know, breaking it, cracking it or falling in, like under his, under, under his footing or something like that. They pay reference to it in the movie, but it's so subtle and it's like a really cool detail um, that... Actually, I, I have to find the article again, but it's kind of like a whole little essay about like the details that interlock throughout the film. So like, where Dark Knight Rises doesn't have like the you know the profoundness that the Dark Knight did, um, it it's still you know it still is well built into the continuity of those three films. And actually, if you look at those films, they all three of them stand alone. You know, and and yeah. and as films, you know, like that's the true brilliance about it. Like. Nolan kind of was able to say different things while working in this same universe the way that a director would an auteur director would do with each one of its successive films you know it's like yeah I think he was the only one in the you know uh, trend of read you know uh, retelling these origin stories of um, superheroes we all know with Batman Begins I was like all for it it's like oh yeah, yeah ninja training this is great, but you know, there's uh, some people like Batman Begins the most. Um, well, that, they they they, the I, they usually I, like that one the most just because that's the like the most Batman centric and the story works and all the elements and it's not like overblown. Like even Dark Knight, it gets slightly overblown with him trying to you know tie that knot with a two face near the end. You know what I mean? Like near the end of that movie, you're like. Okay, we finished with the Joker. I, I guess we do have to, you know, talk about Two Face, but it just feels like it's it's running a bit long. Yeah, well, speaking of the like Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises specifically, I give Nolan a little bit of credit because, um, like, you know, who knows what the Dark Knight Rises would have been if Heath Ledger was still alive? He didn't die at the end of the Dark Knight, and he had a lot of shit on his plate. Nolan did so. It didn't need to be as long as it was, because the Dark Knight it, it moves like heat. It's like a great heist movie, and then crime procedural. It's just this moves. It's like two, uh, maybe two and a half hours, something like that. But it doesn't seem too long. And the Dark Knight Rises, like, okay, we get it. You're climbing out of this pit. Like, okay, you're gonna try it again. All right, fine. When is the movie gonna let me accept that he's out of the pit? Okay. But there, there were way too many things that they couldn't tie, and that. Uh, but I think it's still a great movie. I think The Dark Knight is the best. I understand why people think Batman Begins is the best, but it's still like, yeah, Batman Begins is one of the only recent successful superhero origin stories, in my opinion. I watched that with you in the theater, Andrew, um, in Savannah. Whatever. Batman Begins. Yeah. Uh, what was that? Two thousand five. I remember be, me and uh, Benny were something like that. Me and Benny were drunk in the theater watching. I that. want to reboot Batman and call my first entry will be called Batman Comes. Batman. Comes. <laughs> what are you, you, Kevin Smith? All of a sudden, Batman now? Begins, right? Just Batman Comes. Batman. It'll just, it'll all just be porn. 
I'm looking at the list of uh, <laughs> Academy Award winning and nominated superhero films. There's a whole IMDb page for this. Dark Knight Howard Far and Away has the most wins uh, with the you know best performance by an actor in a supporting role, Heath Ledger. Uh, achievement in sound editing. Uh, achievement in film editing. Art direction. Craft services. Make makeup, sound mixing, and visual effects. You know what? Um, I some other throw... ones... Spider-Man 1 and 2 uh, are also in the mix. Mask of Zorro, Men in Black, Batman Forever, The Mask. Sure, Batman sure. Superman 78 actually did have... It did get Best Film Editing and Original Score for John Williams. And uh, the Superman a cartoon from 1941 also won. It was only nominated, though, actually. It was nominated for Best Animated Short Subject. Oh. For That's an, interesting. Remember Mask of the Phantasm? Yeah. That was actually yeah. out in theaters. But we had to get it on VHS or something. That one was um, good. The next one was good too, the Mr. Freeze one. Yeah, I didn't see that one, but um, I remember watching Mask of the Phantasm with Andrew on VHS, so we rented that one. That was pretty dark. Hey guys, like, as, as pertinent to the conversation, tomorrow is uh, Monday, September 26, 2016 is National Batman Day. Oh, that's right. Whoa. We should have had uh, maybe Ben Yip on here for that. For all of you bat fans, I'm a bat head. Which I'm, I'm a bat head. I'm, I'm going bats for. I'm going batty for bats. Oh, my bat boner's back. Oh, bat boner. <laughs> Batman when, comes. Hey, when does Injustice Two? <laughs> Starring come out? James Franco as Bruce Wayne bat as and Jay Muse. <laughs> <laughs> what Jason Muse is uh, the Penguin. <laughs> Kevin Smith, Kevin Smith will be Riddler. the penguin. Jason Mewes will oh. be Jason Riddler. Mewes will be the Riddler. You should be you should be a casting guy. Like I, that's perfect. I think so too. Yeah. I do. <laughs> and um could be great. Who else? Who else? Who else? Denny Glover uh, as some dude. Two face. I'm getting too old for all this crime. <laughs> I'm getting too old for this other face. Mal, <laughs> Mal, Mal Gibson Mal should be in it. Mal Gibson should what? be Mr. Freeze. Mel, Mel Gibson. <laughs> Mel Gibson plays a really racist Mr. Freeze. Uh, he, he, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he wants to he's kill Two Face. Yeah, he's like, "What? what? Fuck you, man!" <laughs> like he's talking, he's just so shitty to Batman. He's like, act, "Like, oh, uh, newsflash, I didn't die." And um, the Joker, you're a pussy if you can't beat him. I'm gonna beat him myself. This is Mel Gibson, just as Mel Gibson. <laughs> Not, My, no costume, nothing. He's just going to throw hate towards everyone. Just pure fucking hate. Miley Cyrus is Catwoman. Hey, okay. There's a, whole, there's, a, there's a whole scene in it, right? There's a whole scene like Spring Breakers between Miley Cyrus and James Franco where they just fucking go for it. It's like Martin Sheen in Apocalypse Now. It's just like twisted, <laughs> overly sexual Batman. Uh, He's wearing the cowl. She's wearing just the whip. You know, I need to see Spring Breakers. Um, I hate that movie. Man, that yeah. movie is also like it's just like, but it's, oh, okay, some people are fucked up. Like yeah, right. I don't know, it's just it was just okay. I kind of like, like that. It's what happens when you give Harmony Corrine money. That's what happens with Spring Breakers. They probably yeah, did the most they, of their budget. Probably did most of his budget smoking DMT and doing like Frank, and shit. Yeah, James Franco. Franco. Franco's interesting. He's he's good at good actor in it, but just ultimately it's just like I don't know. It just kind of falls so flat. I think he'd be a great Bruce Wayne. <laughs> um, no, wow, if you don't get well, bro, well. 
If you don't get give Harmony Kareen money, then he makes trash humpers. Yeah. Boy, yeah. Or, you know, that's uh, Vincent whatever. Gallo. Vincent Gallo as Rachel Gould. Oh. oh, he's like, <laughs> yeah. Let me. Here's, no. here's another yeah. excuse for, go ahead. for Chloe Sevigny to blow me on camera. I'll. Uh, <laughs> she'll be. She'll be Catwoman. And she'll be Vicky Vale. I'll work it out, but she's got to blow me on camera. Great. Broke up years ago. Fucking movie. That's what. You well, my Batman money, movie. But... Batman comes. Coming to a theater Batman, to you. <laughs> Batman comes. Nah, there's gotta be. This Batman fucks a lot. This is what's called. <laughs> That'll be the sequel. <laughs> uh, yeah. Batman comes. Batman fucks a lot. And it'd be like Machete kills. Machete kills again. Oh, I want to see Machete in space. When's that gonna happen? Yeah. When Batman Robert Rodriguez re- stops smoking opium or whatever he's doing with that. Batman, <laughs> Batman returns for that pussy. Did you guys Look. ever see that Dust Till Dawn TV show? No, not that. Talk about true. some unnecessary fucking... Uh, Bullshit. What is the word when you put more words to something that didn't need those words? Like Unnecessary? Complete, completely unnecessary, like, um, story, like, plot and story Verbose? Like, the movie's so good, and they just dissect the movie. Like, they just slow... It's horrible. Anyway, go ahead. (laughs) Wait, so, yeah, Robert Rodriguez was actually involved in the TV show, right? Yeah, yeah, he... Yeah. yeah, He came up with all the... More of it, you know, elaborates. That's what he said, he elaborates. And I love... I'm a total student of the fucking film... Uh, Rebel Without a Crew. Yeah, Re- yes, I have that book. I um, love Rodriguez, but yeah, anyway. Yeah, Elma, uh, Elmer Mariachi was on my list, but I didn't mention it. Um, but there are, what is what is that? I'm trying to, now I'm trying to think of what that's called when you do that. Um, just Unnecessarily verbose. On... Yeah, yeah. So but, uh, that, that's but a series, but anyway. Uh, other people have done that. Like, yeah, I'm like, there, rubber you can just cut out half the shit he's done and you'll be fine half of it yeah I was, after the grindhouse stuff it was really I mean the first Spy Kids is great I haven't seen well the, I haven't I, I can't on TV so, solid kids movie man first Spy Kids is good Sin City is good. What, which one? Sin City is good. I love the second Oh, Sin the faculty City. is good. Yeah, what yeah. the fuck? I remember seeing that in high school and I was like, why is this good? Why this shouldn't be faculty? good. Faculty is, is great. the faculty. Is it good? Yeah, it's it, okay. It had a good sound. I remember seeing it, but I remember John Stewart it's, died it's, in it or something. It's a good, like, if you think about a lot of horror movies that come out geared towards, like, the teenage demographic from, like, you know, the mid '90s to the early yes, 2000s. Yes, exactly. And shit. Exactly. The faculty is pretty good by comparison. It's like a really, really great "Are You Afraid of the Dark" episode. Yeah, totally. totally. That's what the fuck that movie it's is. It's got Usher, Josh Hartnett. Whatever it happened to him? Uh, he Hart- quit Hart- for a while. Josh in- Hartnett has been in Penny Dreadful, and that show fucking rocks. Oh right, right. That's right. Oh, He's yeah, awesome. I, I love that. Josh Hartnett. I, dude. I do too. I just haven't seen him. I need to watch Penny, Penny Dreadful. Dreadful. It's on Netflix. He, watch he, it. Love he, it. He, he, He's Who can the, Josh Hartnett play in Batman Comes? Oh, Batman! He would play uh, Harry McGinnis, Bat- Batman Beyond. <laughs> yeah, he would, no, wow. he'd be Dick Grayson, dude. <laughs> wow! Damn. Yeah, dude, I want yeah, <laughs> Dick and Batman. Jordan, Comes. let's let's jo- let's jointly write Batman Comes and send it to Kevin yeah. Smith. <laughs> All right, sure, yeah. He'll be like, "This is genius, genius, dude." Yeah. Batman Comes rules. It's like, <laughs> like we have to make it like. 
it's not clear whether it's a porno or not. It's like Kevin Smith reads it and he's like, wait, <laughs> are we talking about Dick Grayson or actual Dick? It, it yeah, has to be right. ambiguous and then he'll do with it what he wants. And then His name is Big Dick Grayson. It'll be like, uh, it'll be like, <laughs> he'll be like Mark Wahlberg and Boogie Nights. My first name's Big. He doesn't have those, he don't have those two batons, you know what I mean? He just has... Yeah. He, he combines one, one nightwing stick. <laughs> yeah, he, he slams them together and they become a staff, and that's his. Yeah, it, it's it should be. It writes itself, man. Josh Hartnett. We got a great cast. Josh Hartnett. See, Lindsay I, Lohan, I, Poison Ivy. I can go all day. <laughs> you know, her and her and Machete. I, I know people have said this oh, before. Oh yeah. I feel like her scenes were just filming her life. And they're like, yeah, yeah, all right, that's your character. Yeah. Like they're like, okay, you're just fucked up, naked, on, passed out, and you know, and now you're what making out with your she's mom? The, or she's something? the best at what she does. Yeah. Whatever yeah, that is. <laughs> what, what, whatever that you know, it, it's all on display in Machete. And uh, what happened to her? Because again, I want to see Machete in space. Yeah. You know what? Add Dick in there and uh you gotta you gotta well-rounded you guys ready to move on to ghost in the shell or yeah yeah. all right so uh i prepared uh something but i'm actually not going to read all of it it's kind of long but i wanted to read at least part of it um watch this trailer the teaser this is one of the this is also like uh, could have been on the list i'm gonna watch what hold on What'd you say? Sorry. Oh, me. I'm just saying I'm watching him right now. Maddie. Like, like watch them individually. I think the cut together version is not like this is just a, like it is a teaser, but it's like there are five different ones. I don't know, man. Like, I feel like I have to wait for a trailer, but I think it looks cool. But go ahead, Andrew. I know you got a lot to say. I just feel like the misconception was that this was a teaser and it didn't make sense. Was a lot of uh, comments I read about it. Okay, so I think that uh, hold on, I'm still getting a lot of like. Uh, I'm muted, bro. Okay, checking one two one two. Okay. All right, so that's good. All right, so uh, yeah, this could have been on my list, you know. Maybe it's in my top ten or something, you know, my top most influential films. Um, so I have like a lot of expectation for this film. And, man, I'm not even going to get to fucking all this shit. It's mostly copy and paste anyway. But, uh, basically just kind of felt like, whenever I watch this trailer, it's like, this movie can't probably be made justice without a fucking Avatar budget, bro. Like, like I need to see Neo Tokyo, robots walking in puddles and rain and shit. Like, it's all indoors, and it doesn't say anything about what the original was about, like... The original was like, as robots become more human, what is human? You know, this these questions about consciousness and, you know, is the 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 shell is your body and the ghost is your soul or it's your consciousness or something like that. And I'm not getting that yet. And I could get those things without a big budget, but I don't know. Like looks wise, yeah, the makeup is pretty cool, but like I don't know. Like it's just not doing it for me. And I I wonder ultimately. Are they going to do any of this questioning? Like that whole Ghost in the Shell, that not, that first one in '95 is a fucking 
existential crisis of from a half from a cyborg you know like are they going to get this deep or not like that was even when i was when i first watched it i'm not sure if i really probably didn't understand what the fuck it was about at all i just yeah. knew it was about cool robots and it was gross yeah. but as time went along and i saw it again in college and stuff i was like damn this shit is deep as fuck and then when i look you know i did some research again and like Dude, there's like articles on philosophy and all this bullshit. I have a little bit of it here, but I'm not going to go into that right now. But yeah, like, let with, me you know, like like AI, like it, it, we could even like go into the conversation about AI and the singularity and all that. Like, but this being a Hollywood film, is it going to fucking get to that level? These are my main concerns. Am I going to see this film in the theater? Yes, I'm going to be there opening fucking weekend. But I'm just, it just these trailers have not really inspired a whole lot of confidence in me just yet, and I'm done. Well, All right. well, wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before okay, we even ahead. get started, this is not a trailer at all. Before right, right, we even, right. These are just shots from a film. It says nothing about it. These are just like visuals to tell you, hey, a Ghost in the Shell movie is coming out. So I understand what Andrew's saying. You will always have your an you, you will always have this anime if this movie sucks. And it could be the worst piece of shit to ever come out. But I think judging it, so harshly <laughs> soon is a little ridiculous because it's really given us no plot. Like there is no plot to what this can even like. There's nothing to say. They're even gonna talk in the fucking movie. Right, right, right. As all I know is that Scarlett Johansson has a gun at some point. She touches some girl's face, and some Asian actor unloads a gun. Like that's all the fuck I know. <laughs> like goes to that, the show. That Asian about. actor is some the Asian actor. Yeah, yeah. Z oh, Asian Katano. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, like, but I'm just saying, it's like, right. for, like all the hate, like straight out the gate, is like, wait, there's yeah, why, no plot, why? there's no, like, no one knows anything about like what the story's gonna be, if it's gonna be like a straight up adaption of the anime or like whatever. It's just, I like, it's just something that like my reaction was, oh, that looks cool, and then I feel like we had our little yeah. talk through the uh, messenger, and it was like everyone's like, oh, it looks like shit, blah blah blah, like it's not gonna have this or that, and I was like. Well, how the fuck do you know? Like this, these five little like teasers gave you nothing, literally nothing. Yeah, I, I all, agree. Like man. I mean, I, like I, just I, feel I like understand I've seen the whole film already. Oh, are you yeah. are you are you <laughs> fucking with us right now or what? You're no, fucking with yeah, us. Yeah, I'm these, just kidding. These don't give anything away. If anything, it's for one thing. I appreciate a trailer that does not give away the whole movie. If that's the whole movie, then okay, that's it's interesting to look at. But Passengers. I mean, it's uh. Oh. I remember Andrew. Uh, you had this VHS, Andrew, and um, I remember you watching it multiple times. And you tried to explain the story to me when I was, but you were like, you know what? I don't even know the story. I think it's lost in translation, all that stuff. And uh, I was like, okay, yeah, maybe. I just know that a girl gets naked to become invisible or something, and <laughs> maybe that'll happen. Like, is this PG thirteen? Like, I have so many questions, but it looks cool to me. I mean, it looks, you know, I, I like the atmosphere and I like the creepy vibe of it. You know, I, I think there are people our age, you know, they grew up with this stuff too, and they probably want to do the source material right. So, you know, I don't know. I'm cautiously optimistic. I, I don't see, do people hate it? Like, is there hate on the internet for this? There's always hate on stone stuff, always. but I, I, I think right, that it's 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 not overwhelming, but it's somewhat there. People are kind of like, and it's kind of controversial because it's, of the whole like whitewashing, the casting, casting with ScarJo, yeah. So, but really, there's... it's her star power that 
the only reason this movie's getting made is because of her, you know, like that's true. I mean, but I mean, that's first of all, we, yeah. we got to look at it. It's like a female starring role. Mm-hmm. Like, and she's she's kind of pioneering that right now. You know, yeah. she's doing that on a really broad spectrum with like no, you, Black you're... Widow and you know like and uh, what's that other movie? Under the Skin. Under oh, the God. Skin. So fucking good. Oh my you're, God, dude! You're exactly right. Is it, is it good or is she just naked a lot? It's like, good. It, She's not naked as good. much as you think. It's fucking. It's like it's haunting <laughs> you. It sticks with you. Oh no! Dude, no read the, it. Read. Yeah, I love it. I love that. Read movie. the novel. The novel is fucking great. Wait, there's a novel. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was based on a novel. But it's cool to see, like she, you know, she's really like the pioneer, or she's one of the pioneers right now for like female-led science fiction action stuff like that. Um, Stefan, to your point right there, real quick. Yeah. I was at a, I was at a panel. Women of Marvel panel at San Diego cool. Comic Con like two oh, years yeah. ago or some shit, and uh, one of the like women producers was there. And that weekend, uh, the Rock Hercules came out, and that the oh, that shit. Scarlett Johansson movie, what was it? Uh, with Luke Luke Besson? Oh, uh, yeah, um, uh, Lucy. Wait, Lucy, Lucy. Yeah. Lucy. yeah. So That's Lucy got a good following that movie. Yeah, so Lucy actually made more money than The Rock's Hercules, and that really That's turned a lot Hercules of people. That just sucks, <laughs> Brett. Brett yeah. Ratner, dude. Brett but it was Ratner. still, it was, it was The Rock. It was <laughs> The Rock, and you know, like it was a yeah. male action movie. But I guess, yeah, everybody had the same thought, and uh, also at that panel, like two or three years ago, they were like. This has given us hope to uh, make Captain Marvel at, at yeah, Marvel. So yeah, and and the fucking best actress, you know, of the last year is playing her. You know, like it's it's huge. It's big now. Right, so, right. I love it. But I mean, like in terms of Ghost in the Shell. Um, oh yeah, back to that. <laughs> you know, like that that part of the controversy. But that's a lot where the controversy and a lot a lot of the hate came from, and because it's such a pivotal, um, huge scale cultural phenomenon in terms of anime. Um, it's just got a lot of people looking at it. So there's always going to be hate for sure. I think the, the, the little teasers to me are like when you get, remember when they used to have like trading cards for movies before they came out? Yeah. It felt like that, you know, it's like your digital, like your Facebook version of those little trading cards. And yeah, you can't call that a trailer. You can't. Yeah. Even, it's something no, not a trailer, but it's, I, 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 yeah. Maddie, I, I see to your point. I think that you're right, but uh, man, I don't know. I'm just not getting a good feeling about yeah. it, but, uh, I mean, yeah, it's, I, we don't have a lot of uh, info yeah. to go off on yet either. Yeah, I think, you know, like, from what I, not even from what you it see. It looks hard, better than hard. Eon Flux. Yeah, exactly. I was just going to oh, say, well. like, I hope it's not the Eon Flux. But it does, and it seems like what Jordan was saying, you know, like, the people who are behind making it have been fighting to make it for so long and are, are finally able to because Scarlett Johansson's a part of it. And she looks great. You know, it's gonna, it'll be interesting to see how they jan dance around the... I, I the name, like, you know, the Japanese characterization. Is she Japanese-American yeah. robot? You know what I mean? Like, it's going to be... You know, she doesn't have to be any race. All she has to be is a fucking android. Yeah, she's mostly robot I, in the original thing. Original yeah. Thing. yeah. I also like how it's... You only get, like, Scarlett Johansson, who is a white woman. Yeah. She's a woman starring in a film. But then you get two other characters that she that she meets. Yeah. It's Japanese. Japanese. One is black. So that, to me, already sold me yeah. that this is going to maybe be, like, a mixed-race cast. Like, it's not going to be just all white people whitewashing the shit that's out of it. Like, that's what's like, really cool about like when, a lot like, of these action when, comic book movies. Yeah, like, the when they were talking cast. about Akira and stuff, yeah. and it was like, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Leonardo DiCaprio, and all these white people, I'm like, 
I'm fine with a couple white dudes in a movie if that's how you got to get that shit made just to see it. Yeah. But, like, I feel like, I feel like, like, (laughs) uh, you know, like, maybe Ghost in the Shell will be more diverse. Maybe it's not, like, Neo-Tokyo. Maybe it's, like, a Neo-World or something where it's not all about, you know, like, I mean, they could literally do anything. I mean, I don't know. I'm just optimistic that it could be a very cool movie to come out. It was like, also like when I watched the original, it was like seeing like a Neo Tokyo. I think I might have seen this before Akira. And I was like, whoa, there's going to be a future that's not just America. I, I, <laughs> I had never thought of this because I had seen Demolition Man probably and some other fucking shit. But I, and it was always like the, fu- the, the future in America and to see the future in another yeah. city. Like Our the city... Future- the city was such a character in Ghost in the Shell, you know, like the the, the that landscape. So, I, man, I wonder how many exterior shots they're going to do. That's going to be like a lot of CG. Yeah. Yeah, I don't typically like anime, but that was our. I, I mean, like the early days of you know the Sci-Fi Channel, um, Saturday Night Japan anime, yeah. whatever. Um, I think they show Ghost in the Shell. I mean. Yeah, that was that was a window into oh, you know, as a young, you know, really young uh, kid, being like, oh yeah, it's not just America that matters, and also, you know, there are other people in other countries have the same anxieties as we do, and the the future we, you know, for me that uh, it was pretty good because it made me think about you know how the future is going to look for the whole world and not just but the thing i want to say about you know scarlett johansson i I think she's a pretty good fit for this character i mean she might be japanese in the anime but that's how she looks kind of like how she's drawn to me but you know i haven't watched it a ton but yeah like you said it could be um and all the characters one thing that bugs me about movies based on comic books or video games or anime or whatever especially when you can tell they're like low budget um, is sometimes like, you know, they'll have these bland representations like, like the, the legend of Chun-Li, the street fighter movie, for instance, Oh yeah, I never you know, that. it just has, it's, it's not any good, but um, you know, like even the characterizations are like, you know, for these, you know, the character Vega, he's not, they don't like do a stylistic representation of that character. They make a mask, they have a claw and then otherwise he's in black, shirt and sweatpants, you know, played by that fucking asshole from Black Eyed Peas. God, they suck. God, uh, are anyway. you serious, bro? Yeah, I never yeah. saw that. It's I, that was just a travesty. And, and Bison is Irish in it. Irish, so. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, but, but my point is, my point is, is that the still, the images, the photography, the character photography from Ghost of, in the Shell that came out a few weeks uh, ago before the little teasers was uh it was cool because it showed you like you know the picture of like beat takeshi's character the hairstyle and what's the character's name with the he's got the two things on his eyes ah um, uh, i forgot but anyway but, uh, so they're, yeah. they're drawing you know they're drawing visually for me a lot and that's a lot of you know a big part of some of these comic book movies is like they're visually drawing reference to the source material you know and allowing it to be stylistic rather than trying to fit it into the real world or a world that can work you know for their film the way that like crappy movies like the old street fighter movies would do or even the, they, the early spawn movie you know what i mean like <laughs> they should just go all the way and that's what i feel like just yeah. make it look like what it is and you got my money i don't give a fuck who's in it make it look I mean, like what me, it is i'm honestly looking at this and i didn't even see it before we started talking about it but it looks just the way it's shot and all the style and everything i'm makes pretty optimistic kinda, about it 
kind of yeah it makes me kind of want to see this movie uh it looks fucking pretty intriguing to me yeah. but you just, know I, just like you know speaking both to maddie's point and to andrew's like this kind of just these little scenes like made me more optimistic uh just based on you know being skeptical in the first place when any comic book or or i mean any kind of property like this anime you know it's produced but, sorry um, but it no, ma- you keep, know keep going it, sorry so it made me like i like i don't have much to go off of to to judge it in any way but just seeing these little tidbits these little moments i'm just like all right cool yes you know but and it could end up like i was i was really sold on suicide squad after that that ballroom blitz trailer but you know you never know but for suicide squad yeah i'm just yeah saying. before we go on that tangent okay. i just wanted to say like it, also like one of the things that i noticed was it felt like they were like the the backgrounds are really dark cuz they're like trying to hide that they don't have a budget i know i'm being yeah. so harsh on this Maybe. movie but i like, know they don't have a budget it's, I, I, it just seems yeah, it just really seems know. like that. Yeah, it's 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 like it's like like a pr- like there's like a everything's in the foreground and then the background totally black. Like you don't I, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, like, but uh, like, I don't know. And it maybe. is they're still in production on it too. Like I think they're trying to yeah. trying to play to the fan service right now and just give them a little bit of tidbits. They used to do this all the time in like the 70s and 80s and stuff and just have like things play out there. The very first Batman. 1989 trailer was just like they needed to give something to the fans so they would shut up um and now it's like tenfold because you got the internet but you know i think really like there's a lot it's pretty raw it looks pretty raw as as, you know the sets like what andrew's saying the lighting the color it looks like they're just like we're fucking making a ghost in the shell movie here look all right that's let us us make let us make the movie yeah, so and like, it, why it, would it, you give away your best set pieces yeah. so early? And like, already, and already, yeah, I don't want to see that shit. Yeah, <laughs> and already they're telling the story. You know what I mean? With just the photos, just the little tidbits. It's it's a pretty good buildup. I'm not sure when the movie's supposed to be released, but they're probably um, trying to garner more of a budget with all yeah. the hype with these yeah. teasers as well. Like, and Scarjo's been in some fucking. She's been in more good movies than she's been in shitty movies. So, yeah. I mean, I, that to me speaks to like maybe the screenplay is all right. That's true. That's true. You know. Because I feel like she's smart enough to be like, you know, this is a dumbass movie. You wouldn't see that bitch in Hunger Games. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think she's but, more like, I, like the DiCaprio. Uh, I love ScarJo. She yeah. might have a woman. I, I, I kind of compare it to like we were all talking about the passengers or passengers. Uh, yeah, we should talk about where, that a little bit. <laughs> where it gives away literally to me everything that's going to happen. And I'd and much I know rather. I see it. Yeah. And I'd much rather see like little tidbits like this if this is the way like trailers yeah. are gonna be or something. Like, don't show me everything. Hey. Just give me enough to get me enticed to go see it. Yeah. Totally. That's all I want. Yeah. Like, yeah. if like th- those amazing set pieces from Ghost in the Shell, I want to see that when I'm sitting down watching the movie. You know, get me wrapped up in it. So when that fucking scene happens, I'm like, oh fuck, that's fucking. They did it. They fucking did it. Shot for shot. That shit's amazing. You know. It's like don't yeah. <laughs> there there are too many that yeah that was exactly what I was saying is that I I love I prefer teasers or trailers like this because they don't give away everything they have a sense of you know it has a sense of mystery and intrigue that you know I want to see 
the context of all this stuff. I know that's not what most of America is like because they want to see the whole fucking thing and the twist. Before the they other. spend money, I'm not spending my hard-earned eleven dollars. I want to see a longer yeah. version of this. I want to see. <laughs> I know it has titties. I know uh, it has bad guys and guns. I know it has explosions. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Well, <laughs> you know, it, it may that's not. That's my impression it. of America. It's America, so it may not have titties, but you bet your fucking ass it has guns. You bet your bottom yeah. dollar it's got robots and I st- existential I saved her. Stuff. She's holding that gun in it. I saved oh, her. Oh, she got tits, but you won't see them because <laughs> they, they threaten our American pride. You saw her tits for two seconds, you, and then you she's you invisible. You girl's face. I bet they're going to do some shit. Damn it, I, I want it at least as much shit. I think at we're least. answering our questions here. Yeah, really. no, I think this movie is going to be great as an American. I think if we see awesome as man. much of ScarJo's ass as we saw in Lost Translation, it'll be the best mm. film of that year. Andrew, Andrew, you need Good. to see. God damn. You need to see Under Skin. Yeah. God yes. damn it. Exactly. You know, hey, hey, yeah, you definitely need to see Under Skin, but don't I'm, read I'm, anything I'm, about oh. it. Just fucking watch it. All right, all right. I'm not gonna say anything. If that shit's on Netflix, I will watch it right after this. It's recording. on Amazon. Uh, Amazon Prime. It's Prime for free. Are you primed? Yeah. Prime has like it mixes like the pay shit and the free shit and it drives yeah. me insane. Yeah, Under the skin is free. free. Okay. All right, I got you. Are I you, got you primed for Amazon Prime? Apparently, My biggest. I have Amazon Prime and I didn't even know. Amazon it, owes me money now. Cool. cool. Fuck them. That was Maddie. A, Maddie, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be more positive, bro. I'm gonna be more positive. I. I mean, I totally get your <laughs> points, Andrew. I'm just saying, it's like for me, it's like I can't like just off those visuals, it looks cool. No, man. Fuck Andrew. I think, I think, Aaron like, Jared like, like also, right. like, I'm this. I'm listening to your brother. Fuck you. <laughs> this, this Tag came at in. a time. Tag me in. <laughs> All right, Stefan, go. Wait, am I tagging you in to fuck me? <laughs> no. Wait, no. You're it's fucking like a, Andrew. It's like a, ta- it's like a tag match. Nobody's oh, fucking man. anyone. This is the most sexual. Nobody's episode. fucking anyone unless I'm fucking someone. It's Dang most. Se- <laughs> <laughs> fucking everyone. But Andrew, I get you. I get you. It could be the shittiest movie ever. I'm just trying to defend, like, just like, like not a full trailer. Like I get I'm, it. I get like, it. I'm taking the uh, yeah. just because it's like I think those images look cool. Like I like I'm kind of like Jordan. I don't need to see a lot of shit to make me excited to go see this movie necessarily, you know? Because I just think sometimes you can show too much. But I could go sit down yeah, and watch yeah. this movie, and you could fucking love it, Andrew. And I gotta be like, that's a bunch of bullshit. So well, yeah, we don't know until you know, we see it, even after the trailer. Yeah, so I mean, it's just like one of those things. It, it's a weird thing. Like this movie, I don't want to see a lot of shit. But like that new Predator movie that's coming out like next year, I will watch literally everything they put online. I will read yes. everything about it. Maddie, I was like that with things I do. I was year. like that with Batman vs Superman, bro, and then it broke my heart. So I don't know if I can go back to movies. <laughs> I'm just yeah. kidding, but but it was it was bad, man. It was bad. Andrew, you got me. I, I, I was, like, so down on Batman vs. Superman that you got me pumped up for it again. And I was like, holy shit, I didn't know Rotten Tomatoes scores go that low. It was fucking, like, like I, I won't get fooled again. And then Suicide Squad happens. I'm like, oh, I'm pumped to see this. And what the fuck is happening with DC? Damn it. We have this conversation a lot on Superhouse, but basically we're all just hoping for the Jeff Johns revolution. <sighs> that's ba- that's basically it. Yeah. I Why will say make... that the Justice no, League shit they did release looks slight, a lot better than everything else I was watching that came out previously. So, hopefully. 
They right. should make an Invisibles movie. I mean, like a sequel? No, Invisibles, the comic. Oh, oh. Yeah, that should blew my mind. They they made it. It's but called who... The Matrix. No. Oh, that's right. Je Grant Morrison <laughs> believes that they stole his shit. The deja vu shit. Uh, well, Grant, Grant Morrison well, said when he was watching The Matrix, it was like, oh my god, they have stolen all my shit. Yeah. But the then Matrix again, they also they also stole a lot from uh, Ghost in the Shell, so there you go. Well, and they also stole the a script from a black woman, so who created also Terminator? Uh, Seriously? Nothing's original. Yeah. Wow. But actually, if you if you think about it, the Matrix and the Terminator match up perfectly. Really? So do Fast and the Furious and yeah. Point Break. It's just like a new Skynet, man. Well, yeah, you think about it, like, Terminator is, like, the point when the robots were gaining sentience and taking over, and then the Matrix is far into the future where they already have it taken over. Supposedly... You're blowing the, my mind right now, bro. The, the, the woman who, who sued the Wachowskis over the Matrix also had previously sued... Um, I forget what company made the first Terminator, but sued them because of, uh, because of ideas that were taken from a script that was floating around that she wrote. Um, that James Cameron ended up ultimately uh, editing or taking artistic liberties with. I'm not saying that's what I think, but I'm just saying that's what I've read. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder how much was changed, but it's very possible. But anyway, yeah, but like if you think about it, if you get down to the nitty gritty, they kind of match up pretty pretty well. The Matrix and the Terminator. But one's infinitely better. I, al well, I always thought that uh, Matrix had one of the most satisfying ending action sequences. Come because on! You have like, you know, a 15 to 20 minute fight with guns, and then they run out of bullets, and then it's another fucking 20 fucking minutes of kung fu. Yeah. Like, that's the fucking shit. That's what I need in my life. Yeah, favorite favorite ending action scene, Predator. <laughs> that one's good too. Oh, so good, man. When he fucking throws Arnold up against that tree and Arnold Schwarzenegger's at the fucking height of his career at this point. Like, what the fuck, man? You don't do that to Arnold. The Predator does. <laughs> wow. Dude, that's my favorite, like, action scene. Because it's great. Because you're like, Arnold beat him, yes. And then the Predator's like, haha, motherfucker. I got a motherfucker and a bomb on my wrist. Predator <laughs> is resourceful. Um... Yeah, I, I mean, I love Predator. I think everyone knows that by now. Yeah, but, uh, we we're we're aware, all the listeners. Predator. Yeah. I'm gonna say we have three now. <laughs> yes, three. They know us. Oh, man, I will I will say it's very weird to like. I'll be on Facebook like on a lunch break or something, and then it's like three guys continually liking stuff, and I'm like, who are you? I don't know you. <laughs> we should interact with them more. Oh yeah, that's right, man. Let's uh, hold on. But there are like three dudes that Let's can give them shoutouts. I forgot, Maddie. That's a great segue. We don't have to make this whole section because it'll last three seconds. But uh, let's see. Oh, that, wait a second, Andrew. Don't sell our fans short now. Three seconds. Let's give them a little more time. Okay, okay, okay. Listen listening to this shit. Okay, I want to thank and forgive me if I'm saying this wrong, but I'm going to do my best. Nadim. Well, nope. I'm going. I'm going to say. Not going to say last names. <laughs> yeah, Nadim. A. Your last name starts with an A. Okay. And I would also that. like thank to you, say Nadine. thank you. I don't know you, but I feel like I do. <laughs> Th yes, thank you. And let's Nassim see who else. Somebody... <laughs> Off the rails. Let's see. John let's see what else Bordo. we got. Man, I hold on. I'm going down the page here, and I can't find the Sorry. other guy. Uh, I know there's a couple other dudes. 
Talk amongst yourselves. Uh, yeah, the thing is awesome. 1982. Like that was a great so Nadine likes a lot of shit. Sorry, you know yeah, what, I'm on. really pissed off that they made a comic book where Snake Plissken meets um, the fucks the dude from uh, the character from uh, Big Trouble in Little Big China. Trouble in Little China. Why the fuck? Uh, Jack, Jack Burton. Jack why, Burton. Why, it kind why, to why, me. Why? It's Bullshit. so stupid. Just for sake of talking amongst ourselves, it's like it kind of unwrites both those movies by those two meeting. Like, don't put them in the same fucking universe. Are you crazy? It's, just, it's, it's fucking bullshit. It's yeah, it's just a comic book. It came out recently, but I remember seeing like an ad for it somewhere on Facebook or something like that, being like, "This is exactly what you want," you know? Like, right. I'm like, I "No, I don't want any of that." Are... You fucked up. I love those movies. Don't fuck Facebook them up with this. Thanks. I never asked for that thinks it knows what you want right. and it was it's like a big company like um boom or something you know like one of these independent image. companies that got rights to the character not image image is great now image is looking got another got another name guys yeah sar sarmad <laughs> last name starts with an e sarmad e thank you for liking our shit we got a big southeast asian uh listening yeah. middle middle eastern maybe nice. uh what's and his home address Paul, Paul R, last name with R. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. Uh, Paul Rodriguez. Matthew H. You like a lot of my shit, actually. Interesting uh, my story. Uh, Paul yeah. Rodriguez taught me to say blackjack. Just Matthew don't don't say H. last name. Uh, no, I was in this podcast, so. Yeah. yeah. And that might do it. Let me see. Paul's like a couple things. Look at that. Um. Yeah, mainly Nadim, bro. Thank you, Nadim. Thank you, Nadim. Rod. There's, All right. Um, there's a one dude that is consistently fucking. I mean, I think I think it's Nadim, isn't it? When I was uh, when I was guy. like eight or nine years old, uh, I went to the Colorado State Fair. And my mother. Yeah, it's Matthew she H. She's a dancer. Consistently up. And she did a performance with the dance troupe she was with before Paul Rodriguez went on stage to close the night. And while backstage, Paul Rodriguez taught me how to play blackjack at eight or nine years old. I've played a couple of game, games of blackjack with Really? Him. That's my that's probably the, the most like, famous person I played the blackjack comedian. with. The yeah. comedian who has the skateboarder son. Yeah. Yes. No one else. A, a million to one. Awesome. A million to one. He's, awesome. a, he's a great guy. I met Cheech Marine also. Yeah. Oh, really? Uh, when I was younger. My mom yeah, my mom was like a, she was kind of a cultural leader here in Denver before before really? boom. Uh, yeah, years ago, man. She used to she used to throw these huge, like, big dance festivals, Latin American dance festivals and shit. That's cool. Um, I didn't know and that. And she, she got Cheech Marin to host a couple of years, I think. And he was, like, the MC, And it was, like, this big show. Like, I, yeah, I met a few Ruben Blades and shit. Like, a lot of Latino actors and stuff. Last name he got is Joseph C. Thank you, Joseph. All Joseph right, that's C. it. Joseph C. You know who you are. You guys that we thanked you liked some shit on the Superhouse Facebook page. So thanks for <laughs> subscribing to us and shit. And this is more memes and more video game related uh, SFW nudity. Oh, and if you've if you've listened all the way to this to this episode to the gotten this far and you've heard your name Please give us a shout out on Twitter or Facebook or something. You know we're everywhere, so just <laughs> at least say thank. We should have them on and ask them why. <laughs> yeah, why, yeah, just, yeah. You could be our next yeah. guest if you want. Just, just message Superhouse Podcast. <laughs> if, if you're still here, then what's wrong with you? Something's going on. We ask ourselves that. If you're that. still, hey, is this the end of the show?
This has been episode 31 of the Superhouse Podcast. Uh, you guys have any closing remarks and shit? Well, sayonara. <laughs> this is Stefan from Denver. With Asian racism once again. Sayonara. <laughs> it's not racist no, if no, I'm he's paying tribute. He's it's not Asian. racist because you're not white. <laughs> I'm paying tribute to my favorite, favorite cultural stereotypes. Motherland. Okay, anyway. <laughs> Go ahead, other dude. Sorry. <laughs> Other dude, number one. Uh, bye. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. I want to say, have a great and spooky Halloween. It's fucking early for that shit, but I don't care. Fuck Ooh. you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Two bushes are bye. better than one. Bye. <laughs>